Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. show midweek motorsport news features special guests and analysis from the experts formula one sports car and endurance racing rallying touring cars and bikes if it has wheels and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport It is our show of the year. Hello, everybody. Midweek Motorsports, Series 16, Episode 48, just after 8 o'clock. You have no idea how um, relieved I am to hear that music coming up the line from London. Um, well, down the line from London, because up in London is Tim Gray, our executive producer. Who are you wearing tonight, Tim? Uh, well, Eve suggested that I might be going uh, with Gucci tonight, because I uh, watched the excellent film House of Gucci uh, about 10 days ago at the cinema and uh, I thought it was an, a very good film and uh, some Oscar nominees in that for certain but actually I've just gone with the uh, triple ply face covering uh, as uh, as has been mandated very good uh, um, I've gone uh, I've I've gone Valentino tonight Rossi um, obviously uh, uh, and uh, it is our big show of the year. There is no other award show that is any bigger, any better, or any more important. I mean, there's not tonight. a lot of other award shows anyway, because a lot of them have been uh, postponed or cancelled. Uh, yes, I know. Hello at the Sim Racing Bar, Stuart. Who EFA on earth is, would think of having a Christmas party on February the 6th? Allegedly. Um, the Sim Racing Bar Steward, EFA oh, Christmas and parties, of course, aren't allowed. This is not a Christmas party. This is a work function, and we've got some cheese. Well, yes, and, and we're socially distanced, so it's all fine. And we all work together anyway, and we're all triple vaxxed. So, you know, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be, no, there'll be no worries about this. Uh, Sim Racing Bar Steward, EFA and podcast for me this week, departing Lisbon for Southampton on the final leg of a cruise. I'm, I'm I was going to say, I don't, don't think anyone flies from Lisbon direct to Southampton anymore. No, I think Faro, but not Lisbon. Uh, Brody says, no EFAs tonight. Stripping the last bits off the 944. Body shop next week. I hear there's a bit of a party in the Middle East this weekend. Well, that, that would be the Abu Dhabi do's, wouldn't it? We'll be talking about that later on. Well done, Brody. Uh, on a packed show tonight, Tim, before I go through the rest of the parish notices, we have what? Uh, we have some of the usual features uh, but I also have in my hand can you hear these? These are the 10 envelopes with the winners of the votes for our show of the year uh, categories. Remember we asked you to vote uh, and the voting opened last Wednesday during the show and uh, closed uh, yesterday the votes have been cancelled, there were thousands of them Excellent. Um, and uh, we'll be unveiling those no, there's been no independent uh, adjudicator on this, uh, as uh, he couldn't be socially distanced. Uh, okay, sounds reasonable. Uh, Gufflemon has said, I've moved stuff aside, hello Gareth, to ensure I'm listening live tonight, want to get the full effect as RC Racing vents his spleen over Sunday's fiasco. Paul Dunk, uh, good evening, Dunky. 
Um, and I hope you and the ladies are all fine. Les Smith, good evening to you tonight. Glad rags on for Stephen Lloyd tonight. Best show in town. Looking forward to this this evening. Hope you've got a nice adult beverage. Nice Christmas cocktail tonight, with me, uh, which we made. The Christmas tree's gone up at Hindhoff Towers tonight, and uh, we we had a, a Christmas pudding vodka that the responsible adult made, and I made that very well indeed. The Year Awards have revisited the 2017 Le yeah. Mans since my last time uh, he, to pass the time. How, how does he feel? He feels good. He said that. Yeah, Stephen Lake. Uh, good evening to you. Hello, Ian. Listening live tonight after <laughs> watching. The absolute pinnacle of motorsports. He is, of course, referring to the Bathurst 1000. I did stay up and watch that all night, which got me right into the mood for staying up all night to watch the uh, first day of the test match yesterday. And moving on, uh, Carol Brink, hello. Tuning in from Cold Grey, Monterey. There'll be some hot cocoa soon. I'm not sure that's in... in I'm not very sure of the year, is it? Chris Suku, looking forward to the show tonight. A homemade pork pie and scrummy salad settling in. I fear no F1 news tonight, he says. Mm, you might be wrong. Hello to Neil Gardner, who's... Oh, Neil, your Brumos pen picture was absolutely mega that you tweeted this week. Um, that's NG Auto Art, by the way. Uh, I'm back to doodling. He's, he's finishing off his Francois Sever picture, having just fi finished his last commissioned piece for 2021. Um, he's brilliant. He can do anything. Go on to his website, have a look. Um, the 993 that he did for me, for my car, was just absolutely unbelievable. Mike Sargent, no FAs tonight. My mum said that Max driving this week de deserved a verschlappen. I thought that was quite comical. Very good, Mike. Say thank, say thank you to your mother. Uh, Jeremy Cram is listening. Um, and uh, live tonight. Uh, maximum effort. Is it time yet? Yes, it is. Hello to Emma Crawley, who's celebrating her birthday tonight and is very nicely dressed in on the top table for the show of the year, I noticed, for her birthday this evening. Very spangly. Uh, well done, Emma. Uh, hello to Simon Huff. The, my best boiler suit is pressed. I'm all set for tonight's show. Excellent. Patrick Drone listening as well. Cessoir. Uh, as is uh, Dave Alcock. Uh, and uh, who else? Ooh, oh, my mouse is not working. Uh, and Stephen and Stiggy Marley. Just realised that the holiday episode was the uh, first ever episode that I ever heard. A year on, I'm ready to ditch work meetings and catch it live. I'm glad I finally found you lot. That's very kind of you to say, Stiggy. Ted the Toy Man listening live in the future. Sarah Rigby is home and tuned in whilst writing her uh, Christmas card. So she'll not be tweeting quite as much tonight. Uh, Paul Dunk is wearing Salomon Sports uh, and Simon Chamonix as it's bloody phrasing up there, he says. Hello uh, to Sergio, who says, oh no, the last speculation of the year. Not quite, because we've got a special show next week with some exclusive content. I'll tell you more about that later on. Uh, let's move on to, well, not a top story, but um, since as the Scrabble uh, factory next door to Tim exploded this week, you've had a few letters dropping in, Tim. Dear Midweek Motorsport, 
starts. It's always a good way to start. I recently enjoyed your Christmas Eve feature. At least the proof has got to the right people. Yes. I recently enjoyed your Christmas Eve feature. But I have a question. Was the saxophonist in the background Ben Constantinus? John, I'll let you answer that. Uh, th- there was a number of different tunes that you put under Eve when she was doing her Christmas presents, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yes. That was a bit different from this year. I presume one was still Kenny G rather than Consty Bay. It was, yeah. But, In fact, I think there was a double helping of uh, Kenny G. Can't get it. I can confirm that the saxophonist on this music is neither Ben Constituers nor Kenny G. Okay. Uh, I'd to your by the way, if you'd like to get... Was that a genuine letter? No. Obviously oh. not. Kevin Poulton says, listening live, will there be a Bernard Charles Eccleston court tonight? Well, we're going to mention his wife, actually, some stage this evening. We'll be mentioning um, Bernie as well. Will we? Yeah, okay. it's in the Formula One News now, too. Uh, and uh, Safe Phil is in tonight as well. Uh, Dave says, faxed intercept, intercept from FIA reveals new plan for stewarding. Three proposals being for, for considered. First, um, described in the Big Bang Theory being three rounds of rock, paper, scissors. Second, three permanent stewards, Father Ted, Father Dougal and Father Jack. <laughs> That's very good. And he hasn't tweeted the third one yet. I did, I did tweet the Magic 8-Ball earlier on uh, this week, which, you know, automated, takes out Michael Massey, which, frankly, he should be taken out, shouldn't he? I, I won't say any more than that, because I'll get myself in trouble. Um, but I think he's looking for a job, isn't he? And anything that involves process, he won't be getting. Or consistency. Uh, shall we move on to our first envelope tonight? I have in my hand an envelope. This Shall we say hello to Nick before we go any further, by the way? Let's and say Shea, hello to Nick Damon. Nick Damon, good evening. How are you? I'm all right, John. Good evening, John. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, everybody. What, who are you wearing tonight? Well, I, I, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'll, 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 wear, uh, I'll wear Ted Baker. And then I looked in the mirror and realised I was much more like a disheveled Tom Baker. Um, <laughs> all you Doctor Who fans out there. So I've gone for the scarf. Dead ringers. Yeah. Very good. At dawn, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, the father Ted Stewart. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so Ted, is it, is, it, is, it, is it small or is it far away? Well, it's now very close. He's jammed his brakes at 2.4. Do you know what the back of him? <laughs> mm. Given that a Formula One car uh, decelerates at 1G just by lifting off. Not, a, you... not in third gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, true. Um, I'll tell you all you need to know. Shit, Adam is with us tonight. Hello. Hello. Oh, Congratulations on your um, alma mater, FSU, winning the the soccer tournament. I was watching that, and I knew you'd be watching it. Had to go to penalties. Well done. I bet you were absolutely (laughs) screaming your head off, weren't you? I was so excited, especially given that they were uh, competing against a more local team to where I am now. You can bet your bottom dollar I was walking around in FSU gear everywhere I could think to go, especially down in Provo, where BYU is located. <laughs> oh, very good. And who are you wearing tonight, Shea? Uh I'm wearing Aiden by Aiden Maddox. Very nice. And the shoes? Very nice shoes, those, by the way. Thank you. They're Franco Sartos. Yeah. And and the jewels? The uh, that's bits? Tiffany. Oh, of course, I should. Yeah. Why did I? Why did hang I? On. Hang on, but, but you've got a boyfriend. You're not alone now. 
Ah, very good. <laughs> she wouldn't understand that because she wasn't born when that was out. In 1987. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> very very good, very good. The first category tonight. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, you're going to be wondering what the heck is going on here. Um, end of the season. This is our season awards, effectively. And we've had the voting up for a week. Um, nine categories uh, that, that, that our uh, substantive contributors uh, nominated and a further one for the listener prize. What we're starting up with tonight, Tim. Uh, the first category is Bike of the Year. So that's obviously either my 1600 GT or, or Nick's BMW, I, I presume. No. Let's take a look at the nominees. Go on, <laughs> Go on then. And the nomin- so, sorry, hang on. I need to do this properly. And the nominees are... The Montessa 4RT. The Yamaha MotoGP. The Ducati MotoGP. And the Yamaha World Superbike. Yamaha half of a good year. Open, open the envelope. The Montessa, by the way, is a trials bike, and that it was is, Johnny's. Yes. That was Johnny's. He's a big he fan does of like a bit bikes. of trials. He does like a trials bike. <laughs> he has actually got envelopes again, and that's fantastic. Uh, and in fourth uh, place, uh, right? Oh okay. Gosh. Right. Is, humiliate everyone. Is the Montessa 4RT. Right. In third place. Yes. The Yamaha World Superbike. Was that your pick, Nick? Yeah, yeah. that's mine, yeah. So now you don't tell us who was in second, just tell us who won. <laughs> well, that would be pointless, because the winner yes. of Bike of the Year 2021 is... The Ducati MotoGP. No! That was me! <laughs> no, it was! Wow! <laughs> Everyone likes a Ducati. It's Brexit all over again. <laughs> I feel there was tactical voting going on there. I it really do. The Yamaha vote. The Yamaha got the, the, the Yamaha vote was split, Nick. Exactly. There yeah. you go. You're the, absolutely the right. The Yamaha vote, if you added the two together, would still not be anywhere near the Moto GP <laughs> bike from Ducati, which won with 47% nearly. Wow. So our first Thank category you, win tonight, which the responsible adult will be tweeting in the moment, uh, it is the Ducati Motor GP bike is our motorcycle of the year on the show of the year. Uh, nine further categories to come, but let's now uh, head. It, it is still programme. We've still we've got some we still have visit content. Cayman Island. We've got some Visit Cayman Island sports car news to come. We've got all kinds of other bits and pieces as well as the news from this week, uh, including, which is why Nick is here right now, Formula One team by team, Tim. Indeed. Uh, we're going to do this in two parts tonight um, for no real reason. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to start as we normally do at the back and Mick Schumacher as we normally do. Oh, it's not normally Mick, it's normally Nikita, isn't it? So, Haas, yes. Um, Is this the third race well, in a row where Mazipan's finished ahead of Schumacher? Probably. I've lost count of what's going on. But, yeah, interestingly, the, the Haas is, to be honest, mostly really illustrated the issues with the with the, with the uh, Jeddah Cornish circuit in that um, Mick Schumacher lost it 10 laps in and had nowhere to go, so he hit a barrier which caused a um, safety car and eventually a red car. And Nikita Mazepin was unsighted in someone else's accident and ran some at the backside. And that caused a 
red, red flag in the safety car. So, you know, effectively what Haas decided to do is spend all the, the very little money they have repairing cars just to prove some of the design flaws of the, uh, the Jetta circuit. Uh, apart from that, Mazepan wasn't particularly good, but did four laps more. It wasn't his fault. He crashed. Mick Schumacher was faster, but did make another mistake. Uh, so we move on to Williams, who've also been to the cinema this week, haven't they? Yes, they have, have they? Yeah, they were the premiere of uh, Kingsman. Oh, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm had head down trying to pass enough tests to get to uh, to Dubai. It's worse than A levels trying to get out of this country at the moment. Um, basically, the, the Williams slump, which has been really for the last six races, continues, and they were nowhere really on the pace at any point. Uh, Latifi particularly was a little bit slow. George managed to get himself into um, qualifying two, which is you know the best you can do. Um, again, he lost places at the start, which must be slightly concerning for his new employers uh, for next year. And then, of course, he was taken out by Nikita Mazepan, not Nikita's fault. He's undecided because George had braked, um, trying to avoid the, the impending carnage of the Sergio Perez and uh, Charles Leclerc accident. So that wiped them out. And the Latifi literally just trundled around and finished, I think, next to last runner. Uh, so we're going to skip a team and move on to Aston Martin. Yeah, it's one of those races really where the Aston Martins have looked kind of, you know, last race they're a bit better. This race they're a bit off the pace. In fact, you know, Lance Stroll is, is, is one of a couple of drivers who not much happened to. He did, he did annoy George Russell at the start by being one of the many people who overtook by not being on the track, but that was kind of lost in the melee. Um, and so whilst Russell was very upset he'd lost like 17th place, no one really noticed, and uh, it wasn't a turn one, it was a turn four. Stroll carried on uh, and got himself up to 11th. Sebastian Vettel had a very exciting race. Um, he had a, a number of contacts. Um, I think he was involved in the Yuki Sonoda incident, and he was absolutely kind of taken off, the, take, well, tri- driven into by Kimi Raikkonen. Um, and then he decided to, to be responsible having various parts of his side pods falling off, which brought up one of the virtual safety cars, which actually led to one of the other incidents later on. And slowly more and more bits fell off his car. So eventually six laps and then they retired him. He probably would have picked up a point or two points if it hadn't been for the um, the, the, in, the the driving style of others, shall we say. I think Seb's a bit unlucky this weekend. There was another Aston Martin on the track, which I think may have done more laps than... Uh, Did lots of laps, yes. Yeah. A, it, finally, they got a decent advert for the Aston Martin DBX. The, uh, the, the, uh, the safety car got moaned that we're not going fast enough. I don't think that was because it was an Aston Martin. I think that that they, were, they were trying to put, put gaps in and trying to get the... One of the reasons the safety car was going a bit slow was they were trying to actually get the, the, all the cars much closer together so you have a longer gap of nothing people can look at the track so, so it doesn't always need to go as fast as it can because it wants the, the field to constantly up behind it not for any other reason than just to make it easy to mend the bits that need many on the reason it's out there so that brings us on to Alfa Romeo and uh, you've mentioned Kimi Raikkonen already yeah well you know Kimi Raikkonen got one race to go and uh, yep yeah, obviously there'll be much actually I don't know there will be much because there's been so, so much focus on, on, on another new story a new story at the front of the grid I'm not sure how much Kimi will get. If you remember a couple of years ago when Fernando retired for the first time because it was a done deal with the uh, championship, he got a huge send-off with you know, and he got a lap of honour and he got to all sorts of things and he was on the, on the grid at the end doing donuts. I can't see Kimi going to get any real um, focus. Um, and in many ways, you know, it's been a pretty poor year for Kimi. I think one year too many, not quite as bad as Valentino Rossi's one year too many, but realistically, Kimi's not done very much and managed to 
you know, ruin Fettel's race. Because this weird thing where suddenly he gets very aggressive when normally he's much more sensible. Uh, and yeah, not a great race for Kimi. Um, and Fernando Giovinazzi, on the other hand, had one of his best races this season, way too late, because obviously he got one more and that's it. He's out of F1 and off to Formula E. Qualified well, raced well, picked up a couple of points. So Giovinazzi, you know, probably one of his best weekends and Raikkonen just, you know, drifting out of Formula One. So you're suggesting that instead of uh, ending the race uh, at the uh, entrance of the pit lane doing donuts, Kimi will uh, end the race in his motorhome doing shots, yeah? Or an ice cream, yeah. Alpha Tauri next. With a dolphin. Yes. Uh, uh, Why not? Himself James Hunt with a, a powerboat and a gorilla. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I was actually looking at the results. Um I got down to sixth place and saw Pierre Gasly there, and I was completely, genuinely, I don't think Pierre Gasly got one second of screen time um, during the race. I cannot remember anything about him. I, th- I read reports of what he did. Apparently, he had a bit of a bad start, dropped back, gained from some of the chaos, and, and came in sixth, which is a good result for, for Alfa Tari. It means he scored more than 100 points this year, uh, which would be obviously enough to give him a real good battle with um, Alpine for fifth place. It wasn't the fact that Yuki Tsunoda uh, hasn't scored many points. And once again, Blotty's copybook. He was going quite well. He, you know, he's been looking much more pacey recently. He seems to have got his confidence back, but threw it off the track uh, in the back. I think it was in the back of so much when I think I just I don't think that he went into the back or got involved with Vettel when I was back, took off his wing, um, then left lovely carbon fibre on the ground and then had to get his wing repaired and therefore dropped out of contention and finished a lap down. So, yes, yeah, Sonoda, yeah, it's difficult thing he's, he's better than his nadir in the middle of the season he's improved from but it's still very patchy um he's not really at the end of year one given any indication he's going to become anything special it was Sebastian Vettel that Yuki Snowda ran into the back of was I was right yeah, I'm, I'm glad about this my memory just about holds up for three days uh Pierre Gasly said I'm very pleased with today finishing the top six in front of Ferrari I'm really happy with that result and we're taking home a lot of points again Yes, and apparently he was in the race, but you wouldn't know. I never saw him. Uh, well Franz done. Toast said, congratulations to Crown Prince <laughs> Mohammed bin Salman for his fantastic efforts here in Jeddah. They built a really great track. Although if I had to suggest no, an improvement that could be made for next year, I'd say bring some more cranes. I would say move some of the, make some of the corners less blind. You know, it's kind of might help. Being able to see round the corners always. <laughs> oh, get me. Can I, this can I just say, let's not the... go to Saudi Arabia at all unless there's some kind of linkage with basic human rights for the 10 years that Formula 1 can say, but it won't make any difference. Okay. Uh, yeah, good point, well done. Can I <laughs> suggest that this should not be described as a street circuit? Nobody no, ever said not. what part of it was a street. None so of it's I, a I street. Don't with that. There are no, no public roads involved in this at all. It is a purpose built <laughs> racetrack. Yes, and, per- and, and, and if they built that on purpose, they need a slapping. Um, it is quite. You raise a good point, though, Tim, because it's been um, assessed for want of better for grading purposes uh, using the street circuit parameters, which are obviously different from the yeah you know, the open track parameters. If you think about the all the new tracks we've seen, the wide open runoffs that say circuit the Americas, for example, then you think about Baku, which is a street circuit actually going through the streets. Then you have different rules, and you can have the barriers a bit closer. And yeah, we know that the back has got those those runoffs, which are quite good actually. Where you, know, you see people going off and practicing to reverse and come round, and, and the streets are different sizes. And, and whatever you think of Azerbaijan, which isn't the greatest um, uh, democracy either, let's be honest about this. It's not, not 
one, same level as Saudi. That's a fantastic circuit. This, building it from scratch, I realised was a limited amount of land and there was some water. Yeah, they've turned up, I think they said, well, let's just build a really, really fast street track. Good point made, not a street track. And they've just got it very wrong for racing. Yes, it's very spectacular, especially at night. But if you, you, there were four races that I saw there, the three Formula 2 races, I watched all of them, and the uh, F1 race, and, and, and they were all blighted by accidents. And actually, think about it, the, the feature race in Formula 2 was blighted by an accident from the previous Porsche race, wasn't it? Which is why they lost yes. so much time. So... You know, admittedly, we're coming back. We're coming back in May, aren't we? Or was it late March? Coming, it's not very long before we come back because it's earlier in the season next year. They, they, they need to do something um, to try and mitigate a couple of the issues. They now know where the troublesome corners are, the troublesome runoffs are. You know, it, 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 the point about it is, and it's a good point, it's not a street circuit. Therefore, you can build something behind it or extend a bit of roadway. We may have to build a, a jetty over some of the water. That's hardly a, a problem when you've built an entire circuit in eight months. You would hope they would do something. Um, to try and mitigate the most obvious issue. Take it to Donington. I think that would solve all the problems. Uh, seems like a good idea. Uh, let's move on. We'll come back to the second part of Nick Damon's Team oh, by Team oh. review of the... Do we have another envelope? Grand Prix. We have another envelope. Very excited by this tonight. <laughs> It's been it's been one of those days in Hindhoff Towers today. We were we were blighted from getting the Christmas tree and the decorations up at the weekend by a variety of things beyond our control, including uh, a malfunctioning elevator lift. Um, uh, so we we couldn't get the Christmas decorations from where they were, which was a bit of a bit of a nightmare. Um, we are in full Christmas. We are in full Christmas countdown mode now, and the responsible adult loves Christmas. And she's converted me to being excited about Christmas. So I'm, I'm I'm ridiculously excited about this today. The fact that we've got all of this coming coming today, uh, and I've had some good chats with some good people, and we've had some very good news about another project that we're dealing with as well. So it, it's just one of those days where everything's come together really, really nicely. Where do you want to go next on the on the envelopes, Tim? Uh, the next one in my pile is for non-driver of the year. Let's remind ourselves of the categories. No, hang on, hang on. Of the sort of nominees. And the nominees for non-driver of the year 2021 are... Toyota Kazoo Racing. Yes. <laughs> very silent yes there. Mike Hull. <laughs> Sorry. No, very good. No reaction at all from Shay on that one. No. Uh, I'm staying unbiased. Yeah. <laughs> Van She's Sun- not one of these people who claps herself when they're on when you know when they get the nomination on camera. I think oh that's goodness, very good. no. no Vincent Voss. Yes, WRT. What a year they've had. And Toto Wolf. Absolutely. Two fingers to Christian Horner. That's that's that's, that's that funny. was that was the only reason you <laughs> nominated him, and the and the fact that obviously he's doing more for Bose headset sales than anybody else in the world. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they're getting free. <laughs> And Tim, the winner is. Can I say next year, we have some better quality envelopes, please? Yes. <laughs> They're much better quality envelopes this year. I think uh, we, need, we need to get you a, a letter opener, don't we? I have a letter opener. Actually, I should have used that, shouldn't I? I'll go next year. <laughs> you, you chat amongst yourselves, and I'll go and get that for the next uh, one. Uh, okay. So, the winner. Oh, no, do fourth place first. In fourth place is Mike Hull. 
You can't win them all, so. <laughs> no. In third place is Vanson Voss. And I have to say, this is the closest of all of the categories, this one. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. The winner, with 33.6% of the vote, is Toyota Kazoo Racing. Get it wow. back of the net. For their Le Mans um, trials and tribulations that they solve. And by the way, if you haven't got race car engineering this month, um, get it because everything that we talked about with uh, Pascal Vassalon a few weeks ago on Midweek Motorsport about that extraordinary way that the team pulled together um, all of that and more detail in uh, this month's is it not uh, last race car month? engineering uh, well, it's the one that I've just got right I haven't had another one yet so it's the current issue shall we say that the current issue race car engineering uh, fantastic uh, uh, shall we do another one as well while we're here? Yes. I'm, I'm on a roll now. I'm on a roll. I, 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 it's like this is like unwrapping your presents, isn't it? It's fantastic. Well, do another one, Tim. Pick another one. We're going to do Circuit <laughs> of the Year next. Excellent. Excellent. Hang on. And the nominations for... Actually, and the nominations for Circuit of the Year are... Portimao, Monza, Sebring and Zandvoort. And in fourth place. Hang on, let me em- open the envelope first. <laughs> we're, we're, I think we need to get him something, you know, with with fire on it to get into this. In fourth place, right? Monza. Ooh. In third place, Zandvoort. And the winner of Circuit of the Year for 2021 is... With 46% of the vote, Portimao. Get in. Back of the net. I want to point out that I wanted to vote for Portimao, and I couldn't. And then I wanted to vote for Sebring, and I couldn't. So I actually got the top three. (laughs) Johnny Palmer also uh, wanted to vote for Portimao as his first pick. I got all my picks in really quick this year. Yeah, we know, John. I've really, yeah. I literally, the moment that Tim sent me the voting form, I rattled. In fact, I got, I got so excited about it that I had to change. I had to ask you for dispensation to change some of mine because I couldn't think of anything. You, you were too, too hasty. Yeah. I was too hasty. Uh, all right, still to come, the rest of the show of the year categories including the listener award uh, we've got some rally news uh, we've got the uh, visit Cayman Island sports car news and there's a heck of a lot of that tonight uh, and next uh, we'll do the rest of team by team from last weekend's Grand Prix Nick Damon and our Formula 1 com- uh, uh, correspondent obviously uh, and Tim Gray Tim what team would you like to go to now let's resume with Alpine um, yeah, I mean, Alpine are on, on a good run. The only problem they appear to have is they can't get both their drivers to agree when they're going to be fast. Um, in Qatar, it was very much Fernando who, who led the way with a supporting um, act from Esteban. Um, but this time around, it's Esteban who actually um, 
found himself unexpectedly in the lead at one point after 11 laps, and then unexpectedly in third when he was quickly overtaken by the two protagonists of the World Championships. And then very unluckily, uh, he was down to fourth, um, 15 metres from the line. So he missed out on the podium just about. And um, this is down, I think, no in certain terms, because Bottas finally woke up and that mistake is very quick. But also the, the Alpine had a couple of crunches early on, one of which actually was with Lewis uh, at the second restart. And unfortunately, uh, Esteban's floor decided to give way a little bit just towards the end, uh, last couple of laps, which lost him a few tenths, which is probably enough to see Valtteri through for third. But good points for Alpine again. They've managed to finish the season on a on a high. Um, uh, so they are now looking very, very comfortable in fifth place overall, which is which is good. Even though fifth town's a bit kind of near, it does mean they've not gone backwards, which is obviously always an important thing for any manufacturer team. Uh, Alonso, on, uh, in complete contrast to two weeks ago, had an absolute stinker of a weekend. Um, I'm, every time I saw him, he was facing the wrong way. So does he never got his head around the track or, or the car never... Including when he was being interviewed by Ziggy Sport um, yes. at the end of After his qualifying, yeah. he was looking in completely the wrong direction then as well. I know. Um, so, yes, it's a, it's a weird one for Fernando. Um, and you know, luckily, Espan was there and drove. I think Espan absolutely maximised the car. I think that's a brilliant result by him. Uh, and that brings us on to Ferrari. No, it doesn't. It brings us on to McLaren. Say, uh, Lando Norris, he needs an award for unluckiest driver of the week. Um, he qualified really quite well. And then he came in and decided to take tyres at the first safety car before it became a red flag, when that wasn't that common in the middle of the field. So he got shuffled down to 13th place. I think he was in sixth before that happened. And then at the second restart accident, he, had a, he, got, he was the last person through there because he obviously braked to avoid the, uh, the carnage. And he ended up starting the second part of the race, absolutely plumb last in sixth. The third part of the race, sorry, absolutely plumb last in sixteenth. And he managed to crawl his way back up to tenth. So, you know, another race like in Qatar, he, he was on for fourth of the tyre win. He just he scored virtually no points in the last four races, but has actually driven really, really well in three of them. <laughs> and and the fourth one, he, he was looking. He just made that minor mistake in um, uh, Brazil where he just cut in a little bit too quickly in the opening lap and just took his tyre out on. Um, Carlos Sainz's front, 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 front car. So Norris, good performance, but just getting no rewards for it. doesn't really matter that much, I think, really, in the scheme of things. If you, you know, get your luck out of the way this year. Um, Lando and even make a stronger challenge with a new car and new regulations next year. Danny Rick got a fifth place. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a well-deserved, it was a good run. He was on a, a different strategy, running hard at the start of the race, which kind of left him a little bit out of out of sorts because well obviously when they came back for the second restart he didn't he didn't have another set of hards to put on so he ended up having to run the second half of the race on the mediums which he made last particularly well because not everyone who was on them did and uh yeah that, that probably stopped him being able to attack Esteban or, or Valtteri who were ahead of him uh, but kept him far enough ahead of uh, well the second half ahead of Pierre Gasly at the end because he was going off a bit but fifth place nice number of points for Danny. And now we move on to Ferrari. Yes, so Ferrari. Um, on Friday, Charles Leclerc threw the thing into the barriers. Um, but luckily, um, if you do that on Friday, you can mend the car before qualifying. Uh, Carlos Sainz threw it into barriers in qualify, start qualifying too, uh, and bent his wing, and there wasn't enough time to mend it. And they then almost threw the barriers again halfway through uh, qualifying too, in quite spectacular. I don't think that car's working around that corner, Carlos. Uh, away and uh, ended up starting 15th. But he, play, yeah, he played the uh, percentage games, did well, got through to eight, had a little bit of battle with Charles as well at one point. And they uh, scrapped with each other down the main straight, uh, finished eighth. Charles was in front of him in seventh, which effectively 
beyond some ridiculous permutation guarantees Ferrari third in the Constructors' Championship and also cements the fact they've been there or thereabouts in the second half of the season. So, you know, whilst there's very little carryover into 2022, at least they're going to go off on a high and at least they're going to go into the winter without being lambasted by, you know, gazetted the sport every, every morning. And of course, that was what uh, Matteo Bonotto uh, set as his target for this year to finish third. He did. I mean, we said that was a, a, a you know, minimum it was, would be, and they got there. But they, you know, and they got there by, I don't know, literally developing the cars, they developed the engine, but certainly developing their processes. And that's, you know, where they've fallen down from. So actually, whilst there's not much mechanical they can take forward to him, it does seem that they've, they've coalesced the team reasonably well over the last you know, half season, which is something he will bring forward so yeah i think it's a very positive given the fact that they shouldn't be third with their resources and they're still suffering from cheating two years ago um you know it's a good slow comeback and they must give them a, a, a yeah a springboard for next year there's nothing to say they won't be the, the team who finds the uh, the magic bullet for next year's design do you want to do the final two teams together uh yeah okay um right where do we start Sergio Perez. Let's start with Sergio Perez. Uh, Sergio Perez didn't did, did a Sergio Perez sort of thing. Didn't qualify particularly well. A uh, place or two back from where he should have been. Um, got himself involved in the action early on. He did come in to stop at the first red flag. Um, but that meant he started sort of eighth or ninth, I think, actually. Got a reasonable start. And then was going round Charles Leclerc and just cut in too quickly. It was entirely his fault because Leclerc couldn't go anywhere. Leclerc was against the wall. Uh, in doing that, they had a rear tyre to front tyre, which spun Perez round. I think something happened in doing that. I think he must, because he, 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 what looked the damage the car, looked like the, the, just knocked the nose off. But I think he obviously had a less obvious clunk to something mechanical, because he seemed to lose all drive at the same time. Interestingly, was that, that, that Charles' car was completely undamaged by this incident. Um, the first of a number of exceptionally tough cars we saw. And... Um, yeah, so he it was a yeah, it was a yeah. Unfortunate. I mean, you know, I don't you know Perez made a number of mistakes and looked pretty average, but realistically, this wasn't his worst race. He was a bit unlucky um, to be starting where he was starting for the for the first restart, and a bit unlucky to do that was a bit of a mistake. Had genuine pace, couldn't show it, which is which is the problem. Perez, Perez has got this problem. He's a very very fast racing driver. He's just not very good on Saturday, and. 2021 Formula One means it's very important to be on Saturday. Now the idea is that 2022 Formula One. It's going to be easier to get past it. Being rubbish on Saturday won't be such a problem, but who knows? Maybe next year will be David, David Coulthard's year then. Well, it must be soon. <laughs> must be. Um, so we'll, we'll do the number two. So Valtteri Bottas actually um, was doing quite a good number two job, really, because he managed to qualify second. He, he got off the line in second, and those first 10 laps was going really, really well. Um, then they stopped for... Uh, after the first safety car. I mean, it's been a bit naughty hanging back, actually. Um, that one's kind of got lost in the midst of times. He did leave too much of a gas between himself and, and Lewis to so like a double stack. Didn't matter really anyway, because Max wasn't involved in um, any of the stacking because he didn't stop. So they he got out and he, he didn't really make a particularly good start. I think in start two, didn't make a particularly good start. Got mired down in the middle of the field as well. Um, sort of seventh or eighth, it took a hell of a long time to get past Danny Ricardo, and also the entirety of the rest of the race to get past Esteban Ocon. But however, he did get past him, and that meant that he got third. Which going with Hamilton's first has kind of really, really cemented the lead that Mercedes have in the constructors' championships. They're now something like 28 points ahead. Um, 
and that is a result that would need at least one of the Mercedes not to finish for them not to become constructors championship and of course a, 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 a hat load of points for the Red Bull team. So it does seem that's really swung dramatically in favour of Mercedes at this particular meeting, you know, because we've got one, you know, you've got one and three against the two and, and in the wall. And that's, you know, that's how it could change in the Constructors' Championship. So we come to the top two drivers now, the best two drivers in the world. Um, I think it's a case really, I mean, the, the really interesting thing was, I think, you, you, yeah, you, you look at the narrative of what's going on around and effectively x racing drivers journalists tv commentators tv presenters tv pundits so effectively the people who are telling the world what's going on have been because they are so desperate for a world championship fight between people who aren't driving mercedes have been ridiculously lenient and i actually include the fia in this as well have been ridiculously lenient with max verstappen it's been down as hard racing. Max is a hard racer. He gives no quarter. He's a hard racer. You know. Nick, can I, mean, I just jump in here and say at this point, before anybody tweets in, you're not a Hamilton fanboy, are you? No, and my and my and I haven't got a problem with Max either, to be honest. And then you get to the end, and you're, you're, this is the point about it. I do have a problem with Max's team, and I'm very happy to discuss that with anybody. Um, you know, his team management. I'm sure the guys. The guys and girls are lovely. The thing is that, that we've had this whole thing about hard race. We've had this massive enablement situation where he's been enabled, and it's never good to enable young people. <laughs> it's a, a, a run, but he's been enabled and fated for his hard racing and his and his aggression, down to the point where you know, anybody in their right mind would have penalised him for what happened at Turn Four in Brazil a few weeks ago, where he ran Lewis off the road and ran himself off the road, and clearly gained an advantage and clearly ran, ran somebody off the road. And, you know, obviously the, the, the let him race, let him race. It's not right. That's not racing. There's defined lines to the track. There's defined things that you do. You know, you, you, you can defend, but you can't push people off and then go off your... You know, anyway, so they didn't do anything there and they start... But there know, was, and, there and, was and, an edict, wasn't there? And Michael Massey... The completely ineffectual race director for Formula One. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I editorialised there. Editorialised. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, uh, he said that uh, that was that what that would never be allowed to happen again. Well, yeah, I mean, I th- but the thing is, that as far as everyone's concerned, as far as yeah, Max was concerned, he said, yeah, well, I didn't get penalised at the last time." What we ended up seeing was a situation where, due to an error of his own, and, and and I got absolutely sick to death on Saturday of hearing how it was such a great lap. Lewis, Max is on for the best lap we've ever seen. No, he wasn't, because the lap is the entirety of the circuit, not the first 26 corners. You have to, if, 20, if corner 27, you end up in the fence and the car's not running anymore, that's not a great lap. Nothing that went before is great either. Do you think anybody just, would have said the same if he'd gone off on the first lap? Well, it's exactly the first corner, If you crash sorry. the car on the first corner, John, yeah. it's exactly the same thing. You haven't completed yeah. the lap. Yeah. Wow, you've taken too many risks and been, oh, you've taken calculated risks and been fast during sector one, sector two, and then you prang it in sector three. That's not a great lap. It was never a great lap. That's a rubbish lap. That's the worst lap of all. It's a lap where you've damaged your car. And and but and then the, I mean the, the for those who are unlucky enough to have Sky, to have 
Crofty virtually pleading for there not to be a gearbox problem with the car. Because, oh, God, I just hope it's brave. It's not a gearbox problem. What, what, what is that about? I mean, they cut. They, I mean, yeah, they're, they're just so desperate to get this kind of competition. They, they, they completely forget the concept of sport. Now, let's be honest about this. You know, Max was driving very, very well, and he hit a wall. It happens, but you don't then say how marvelous he was. No, he made him. He went over the edge. And the one thing I would say that characterised this weekend is we finally saw the pressure get to Max. He's been fantastic at absolutely being nonchalant passing it off, carrying on doing what he's doing, but it's completely evident that the pressure got to him. And this, again, it comes round to who's managing him. You know, there was some ridiculous statement made by Christian Horner at the end of the race, really spiteful statement, where, I think it was on Sky, where, I think it was Damon, was, or maybe, maybe even Simon, the presenter, going, well, you know, we had those great laps where Max was you know, able to pull out a few tenths in sector one, and then Lewis would get back to him over sector three. And, and, and Horner said something to the well, that's because sector one's where you need all the skill, because it's because anybody can drive in a straight line in sector two and sector three. Well, let's point one thing out. Your golden boy couldn't drive in a straight line at sector three um, on qualifying because he pranged it against the wall. Point number two is when Lewis wasn't driving in the dirty air of sector one, he got the purple sector for it with a broken wing that he broke on the back of your golden boy's car. So let's, for goodness sake, think before you open, because it, it just inflames the, the, the whole situation. Verstappen drove very poorly, but very uh, area. But let me just say something. As badly as he drove, and I think he was, you know, the, the way he was just deciding he didn't have to do anything about track limits, we did see one moment of absolute fantastic Max driving, and that was in the second restart, where he just saw an opportunity on the inside, and he dived in completely fairly and took the lead past Lewis and, and Esteban. Yeah, I mean, Lewis and Esteban got squeezed together, but that was brilliant. And I was thinking, well, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, you can be so bad, and I mean bad, and, and unfair, and entitled in, in and then the next minute you're actually showing why you're such a you, know, you are a potential world champion with some sublime driving like that it's just pretty the opportunity is fantastic red bull got themselves out out kind of basically when the car didn't make pole they had a problem in that they'd set the car up i think a slightly lower downforce to be quick in qualifying and therefore it wouldn't be quite so fast in the race and it would be more likely obviously with, with less downforce to, to get through the tires slightly more um obviously you know at the end of the yeah, when he, he jumped jumped the the first start and and got pushed got pushed back because he was you know and, and then he managed to get in the lead but to do that they, they they kind of got themselves spooked and put the soft tires on which was a gamble with 40 with sorry 38 laps to go and as it turns out all the rest of the chaos that happened after that was actually completely unnecessary because Lewis would still have yeah, got past put the mediums on, certainly yeah. because, because, because Max had the mediums on. And that was a really weird decision by Red Bull. They got the, the whole, it was absolutely, a, 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 you didn't watch it, John, but the whole impression you got was suddenly the whole thing had got stuck. And they started making bad decisions. And Max was driving bad. I mean, yeah, the, the, the you know that I, I didn't watch it for, for moral reasons, but obviously yeah. I kept in touch with what was going on, particularly on uh, in, in terms of what happens with the stewards' decisions. And, yeah, and, and, like. and you, the, and the other thing to... that, that annoyed me going back through it was this, once again, this 
obvious um what's the word i'm looking for the the obvious um opportunist uh way that red bull try to influence the race control michael massey michael massey isn't um charlie whiting nobody would be but michael massey's a poor choice and i'm afraid michael massey's got to go he showed it himself at the weekend to be completely and utterly unsuitable for that job. And never mind the um, deal or no deal negotiating <laughs> with with Red Bull. Um, you had you had situations where and Red Bull should hang their head in shame actually for their their team manager Jonathan Wheatley, isn't it? Wheatley, yeah. 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 Read the read the rule book, Jonathan. When you going when you're going to agree, um, you don't have to stay at ten. Ten well, car lengths the behind is, the car the ahead. Is, John, this is this is the point. This is, this, the, if we look at the Red Bull team management, and 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 I think this is the, this is why I want to make it very clear. I genuinely have nothing against Max Verstappen. If Max Verstappen wins the race or wins the World Championship in a clean format in four days' time, that's fantastic. As far as I was saying, worked very well. It's a first start to watch. I'm brilliant. Obviously, he crashed someone out, and I'll be first to say anything about it. But let's look at how they handled the. The penalty situation, but basically, when when Lewis and Lewis was 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 helped by a virtual safety car being run through the sector one, where we discussed before, Max was faster because obviously yep. the error wash was much greater. Yep. It was much much closer, and he got the DRS and he got past Max, well past Max. Well, and, and then he came in. Max decided, but Max has this idea: if I don't break and don't make the corner, well, I'm still ahead of him, even though I wasn't never going to make the corner. And, and he basically pushed to. to Lewis straight off the track. Now it was completely. Ob- it was opposite that point. Didn't that, that cost again, cost Lewis two positions actually as well? No, no, no. This, so this is the later one. This is not. Right, this yeah. is not the restart. Right. This is the Sorry. DRS once we're in that. Third oh time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happens there is that they knew they had to give the place back, and then we begin all the silly bees about how we're going to do it, and we're going to try and do it either side of a uh, of a DRS zone, and. That is why we had the accident. Now you can blame both the drivers for, you know, I, 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 Lewis didn't apparently didn't know, and I understand, and I was thinking about this. If you've been in the race like the Jeddah race, and you suddenly see Max slowing down, is it a virtual safety car? Is there a car in the middle of the track? What's going on? Is he There's just been... trying to put me into the wall, a la Michael Schumacher? Has he hit the wall? Has he hit the... Lewis is a student of the sport. Has he hit the wall and he's going to put me into the wall like Michael Schumacher did? Well, I, with, yeah, I mean, I think it's more Dylan a case. Of, I think we've had so many virtual safety cars and so many odd things. You kind of think, I'm not going to swim past him 100 miles an hour faster than he's going. Can I tell you, uh, can I tell you what this is a feeling of? Right? And we, we can all say about what Max did and what Max didn't do. The feeling... The, the ultimate feeling lies in race control with process. Because if you are going to ask someone, and we saw it, influence a world champion, we're trying, they're trying not, you said this a couple of weeks ago about how hard they are trying not to influence the world championship. And unfortunately, they're getting to the situation where they are going to um, uh, influence the world championship. Uh, and uh, we saw it in uh, the WEC, where a lack of process between a very good race director, Eduardo Freitas, and the teams led to a debacle. And whether it, whether it would have affected who won the World Championship or not doesn't matter. It just didn't look good. 
and we've had exactly the same last weekend. If you're going to tell someone to let someone back through, then quite clearly there's got to be a process of doing that. And if you tell one team before the other and don't tell the team whose driver has to make the pass until after you've told the team that is going to have to give the, the place back, you are asking for trouble. The other thing is that if we are going to start getting into that, you need to have a way of doing that that does not then disadvantage the person who is supposed to be giving being given the place back well, again. So it can't yeah. be in the run-up to a DRS zone. I've seen people suggest that we should have a MotoGP-esque penalty loop. But as Tim Gray rightly said during the week, we've already got that. It's called a drive-through. They should have just given Max a drive-through and that would have been the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say about the whole handing back, it was horrendously handled by everyone, I mean, well, I'm not even going to make Lewis innocent this one, though the fact is, you have this kind of, this is element of the t- toxicity, when they actually hit each other, it was all, oh, you know, oh, Lewis is all, all. but the fact is that, we, and it's still trundling around the internet now with, with you know, even the most remarkable thing is how Marcos apologised today. What? Yeah. Sorry, your line's bad. I thought you said that Helmut Martin would apologise. Yeah, apparently, because well, basically, because we, we, the stewards have turned up and they've gone, well, no, yeah, Max did hit the brakes at 2.4G, which is medium hard for an F1 car. And But he wasn't trying to put Lewis into the back of him. That's no, of course that, he wasn't. It was an element of frustration because he was trying to do... Well, the really weird thing is he showed exactly what he was trying to do three laps later when he actually let Lewis through and then immediately underpassed and went back through the DRS, which wasn't allowed. Mm. And the interesting thing, what I did like, was the, you know, there was three or four laps in between the first... The accident between the two... Actually, you wouldn't know this, John. There were three or four laps between the accident between the two of them and then the second time of letting them pass. The reason for that was they wanted to see if the damage that happened to Lewis would be enough for them to get a five-second lead over him. Yeah. So he, the, Max then yeah, ran as fast point. as he could for two or three laps, but Lewis wasn't slowing down much. At that point, we're okay, we better take the penalty then. However, at the same time as they were trying to let him through again, they actually got the penalty from the stewards because they'd been taking too long to do it. And then they let him through again, and that, that was why Jampiero said, oh, you should have done that, Max, because, you know, basically they completely loused the whole thing up. They, got, they let him through and got a five-second penalty, and their tyres went off. Um, and then for balance, you know, Lewis ran, ran, did, did sort of run Max off the track slightly, but I'll tell you why he did it. It's because when Max had let him through the previous time, Max had dived up the inside, got the cut back, and then got past him with, with um, DRS. So what, Max, what Lewis made sure he did was he sat on the inside of Max going into that final See, corner. So Max I- couldn't cut back, walked him right to the outside because Max did have the DRS. And at that point, when he came around, he kept the lead. So, I, see, yeah, I disagree with the- that because I saw that on Twitter. I think Max was trying to draw the foul there. I think he just uh, didn't break and deliberately went round uh, the outside. It, 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 but well, anyway, fair, anyway, look, this is supposed to be team anyway, by team. So, Lewis. The end of the day is, and this is the problem, is... Lewis, Lewis, fine. Lewis won, the, Lewis won the race. Lewis drove pretty... I can't think of many things Lewis did wrong. He did. He drove a good race. Max comes out of this race. He's been... He's had two penalties. Well, three penalties, as it turned out. But he thinks he's done nothing wrong. And Christian Horner says you've done nothing wrong. Yossa Sapper says you've done nothing wrong. Helen Marco says you've done nothing wrong. The rest of the toxic team around says you've done nothing wrong. And you know, and he still, th- and apparently from press reports now, he still thinks he's been he's terribly hard done by, and he's done nothing wrong. Mm. Well, 
you know, the fact is, this is not, this is, you patently have done things wrong. You need to change the way you drive and people are letting you off. Now, what's gonna, what is going to happen? And then, you know, he may well win the world championship. Which is, which well, is let's, fine. Talk, so, let's talk but, about but, that in hour two, because I think we need to talk about think, the ramifications. I think, I think it's setting a terrible precedent. Because right. We need to talk about the ramifications himself. of that in hour two. Quickly mm. have a word about Lewis, and then we'll wrap up the first hour, because this um, is supposed think, to be team I think by Lewis, team. effectively, said, but this is really the, the, the key takeaway from this race was it was effectively Red Bull crumbled across the board. Team-wise, driver-wise, Mentally, they crumbled. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to crumble this weekend, but they had an absolute mare. And the only person who seemed calm and rising all above it the whole time was Lewis. He just drove the whole thing around. Even when he was, even when he was sounding as he does, you know, excited on the radio, or, or, or there was never any evidence of drive. And then he just kept on plodding round. And that's, you know, is it, is it the experience of being there for 12 more years? That's, you know, the thing to remember is Max is not inexperienced. Max has done 130, 40 Grand Prix. But this is the pressure getting to him. Now, he needs to find a way of resetting for the weekend. Lewis now has momentum, but, you know, Lewis mm. has to finish the race, and he has to finish the race in front of Max. So that's that's the difference. Um, we don't know what the tracks we like, but, but you know, Lewis, Lewis did a fantastic job, and he's won another new circuit. Apparently, he's won every single new circuit in the uh, in the hybrid, turbo hybrid arena every time we've gone to it. So, you know, it, it was a great performance. Max... Max could have won. Max Max may may well have won that race if he hadn't hit the wall on that perfect lap on Saturday. There's every right. chance that right. would have happened. Let, let's wrap this up now. We'll, we'll get back to, um, I'm sure, more discussions of the inadequacies of process um, <laughs> in, in hour two. We've just got time, uh, Tim, to open uh, uh, maybe one, maybe two envelopes. We have two uh, more envelopes. What envelope has come to the top? What have you got? What have you got? So can I just say, at Specutainment, by the way, agree or disagree with with Nick? Do all have a problem? Give us an, give us a give us your opinion, right, of what Nick's been talking about. I've got quite a few at the moment. We'll go through them in the second hour. Uh, envelope, please. What While have you got Nick was to? doing tea by team, I went to get my letter opener. So excellent. Uh, I have that. So now. we're going to get a nice. And we're this, get a nice crisp. this one is labelled Car of the Year. So uh, if you'd like and to. the nominations. And the nominations that. for Car of the Year. 2021. Oh. The Mazda DPI. The Toyota Yaris WRC. That must be Nick. Uh, the Toyota GR10. <laughs> GR10, yeah. And the iRacing Dallara P217. That was Nick's. And in fo- open the envelope. Oh, that was a much crisper opener. Did did have a few people saying. Um, Stephen Lloyd said, is Tim using a C4 envelope for an A6 card? And someone else said, oh, Jonathan Mayne said, I like the Archer's opening uh, sound effects for the letter. That is a real envelope that he's opening. These, these are all we, real yeah. envelopes and they are C4. Well, deduced. That was that was excellent from Stephen Lloyd, then C4 envelope. Uh, right. Uh, and in fourth place then for Car of the Year Fourth place in Car of the Year is not a car. It's the iRacing Dallara P217. Oh, Nick's not a good year. Doesn't In third place, the Toyota GRO10. Who was that? Was that Johnny? That was Johnny. He had to pick right. a sports car, didn't he? That's all he talks about. Which means the winner of Car of the Year 2021 is... 
the Mazda DPI. Oh, shit. Levels <laughs> it up, two's each, me and thee. Very, thank you, Collective, and that was a very good decision. Well, I, I, <laughs> frankly, frankly, I, I think that's much, much more of a um, Lifetime Achievement Award, the fact that yeah. it's getting wound up this year. Yeah, but that's yep. all right, because the, the, there's a couple of nominations for that later on, and particularly in the Listener Award as well. Tim, let's do another one quickly while we, while we can. What do you have for us next? Uh, let me uh, throw away that envelope and Excellent. the card from within it. <laughs> I love the fact he's done that. Okay, next, I think we're going to do Race of the Year, is that right? Oh! Race of the Year, yes. This was a good one, wasn't it? It was good. Yeah, it, it was, th this was a tough category, and any of these could have won, to be honest. Go on, then. So, and the nom sorry, I hope you and win, John. And the nominations for Race of the Year the Formula One Brazilian Grand Prix. The Formula One Hungarian Grand Prix. The Mazda MX-5 Cup at Sebring. The IndyCar and WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Long Beach Weekend. Yay! Hang on, that's a weekend! Yeah, yeah, it was good though. Uh, and the envelope is there. Open the envelope, Tim, I've please. I've opened the envelope. That was quick. Did you hear that? <laughs> that was... You, you <laughs> used the sharper side of the race. letter opener there. And in fourth position in the race of the year. In fourth place, the Formula One Hungarian Grand Prix. Oh, uh, flipping heck. In third place, IndyCar and the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Long Beach Weekend. Uh, good try, good try. So the guys at Mazda are up against a Formula One race at Brazil. <laughs> let's yes. just can let's I point just... out that it should actually have been the Sao Paulo Grand Prix because the Brazilian Grand Prix yes, yes. is at Rio. Yeah. And there good is point. a contract in place that says the Brazilian Grand Prix has to has to take place at Rio. Mm. Uh, the winner of race of the year for twenty twenty one. this was re this was the second closest, yes. Alright, okay. Um and I know that obviously there are still races yet to come in 2021 as well. Um, so this is perhaps a little premature. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the winner of Race of the Year 2021 is the Formula One Sao Paulo oh. Grand Prix. Mm. Whose was that, Johnny's? That was Johnny Palmer. Wow, he's on the scoreboard then. Right, okay, we are after nine o'clock. Let's find out what's coming in hour two. Midweek motorsport. And don't you dare switch off now, because the next hour's going to be even better. Uh, it will be the uh, the second course, of course, and the, uh, and the puddings, uh, as well as the dessert wine, to come in the sparkling banquet that is the show of the year. We'll have more from Nick Damon as he looks forward to the Abu Dhabi finale of the Formula One for 2021. We'll have the sports car news with our Visit Cayman Islands sports car segment, and there's a lot of it. Plus, we'll also have more from our show of the year nominations, Rally Driver of the Year, the Rider and Young Driver of the Year, uh, and the Listener's Award, as well as the big 
prize. All to come Middle in our two. To sport on RadioLeMond.com. Let's go straight into rally news. Yes. At uh, just coming up to five past nine here in the UK. Th- this is this is kind of like um, this this is kind of like career news and job news rolled into rally news, isn't it? Well, first of all, uh, as we forgot to do it last week and the week before. Oh. Can we yes. say congratulations to Sebastian Ogier, winner of the World Rally Championship for a record eighth time? Yes. Uh, just the first time, uh, just once in the last 13 years that somebody called Sebastian hasn't won the World Championship. <laughs> Titanic, of course, uh, was the, the guy that broke the um, the two Sebastians' run. Uh, fantastic. Uh, and we'll talk about Sebastian, I'm sure, later on. Uh, as well, because he was yes. one of the nominations. He's, he's for, nominated um, in one of our categories coming up shortly. Yeah, I'm, I'm just just mag- magnificent stuff. Um, he is going to a partial season next year, but his co-driver is retiring completely. So when he comes back, he'll have to start a new um, a, a new relationship. I watched, by the way, uh, earlier this week. I watched Queen of Speed, which is a Sky Sports documentary. If you can get it, um, it's all about uh, Michel Mouton, who was one of my great rallying heroines uh, back in the time that she competed. Who, and it's a fantastic... Her and Fabrizio Pons were just a brilliant, a brilliant partnership. It is really fantastic. And there's so much about it now that in this era... You forget just how misogynistic uh, it was back then. And extraordinarily, in the last 40 years, no other female rally driver has put in a faster stage time, uh, led a rally or won a world championship rally, which is actually extraordinary when you think about it. She was and still is uh, the trailblazer and won Pikes Peak overall as well. Of course, mm, I have a massive amount of respect for uh, for Michelle Mouton. It's well worth well worth a watch. Uh, so a, a win for Toyota Gazoo Racing with Sebastian Ogier in the Rally Championship uh, again. Um, it it was their championship team with they were first and second in the championship with Elvin Evans, of course, and Scott Martin coming in second. Um, they won the man of Factorous championship, yes, they did, um, and there have there have been repercussions. Effectively, this is the rally news. Uh, yes, because uh, Hyundai Motorsports uh, team principal Andrea Adamo uh, is leaving the squad immediately after mm. six years uh, in charge uh, for personal reasons. This is interesting, um, and uh, Andrea has a long history of being with. Hyundai Motorsport Group, not just with the rallying. Don't forget, he was the driving force behind their move into world touring cars. Um, the development of that fantastic two-litre um, four-cylinder engine that uh, has been uh, fantastic. Um, Tim, who's going to replace him? That's not the question you were supposed to ask. Oh. Really? What's yes. the question I was supposed to ask? Read the question. Do you know who is replacing him, Tim? No. Okay. Scott, no, um, in fact. Sorry? Scott, no. Scott, no. Oh, very good, yes. So that that makes sense. He is, effectively, 
he was Andrea's boss, and so he's taking yes. on that that job um, as well. Only on a temporary uh, basis. Um, right, okay. They will appoint a new team principal in due course, but uh, Scott No is going to be the uh, I, I'm, the yes I, man I'm, for now. I, I very good, uh, or at least not the no man. Um, the well, they're going to Monte Carlo, so maybe then just snowman. There was a change in the team partway through the season. They had a lot of issues with um, reliability, particularly on suspension parts. And the team manager was was let go, and uh, that I wondered if that was going to be enough. Um, we don't really know what the background of this is, um, but it wasn't a one could say it wasn't a banner year for Hyundai in the in the World Rally Championship. They've been successful in other things, particularly in TCR um, in. The US, of course, uh, uh, as well. Uh, Nick Damon, the the, the rumor is um, Nick Nick Damon. The rumor is that he's going to Formula One. Okay, as I as I I have not heard any of this. Um, I you know I'm not sure where he would go. Um, I've been told he's know. moving to Italy, which would mean well, two him, teams. That gives him three chances, or well, two and a half chances, because Haas are saucer-based. Oh, yeah. In Ooh, ha- oh, oh. Saucer-based. They're not entirely based there. And then you've got Ferrari. That ain't going to happen, because they're currently circling around Jean Top for an advisory role. So that does leave uh, Alfa Tauri, who I keep calling Toro Rosso in my head, but that's obviously mm-hmm. a Red Bull thing. So I, I don't know. I, 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 it's nothing I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, it's nothing that's on my radar, unlike a lot of the other Either that or he's going to go and manage uh, Suzuki MotoGP since so David Brivio has left. Well, you never know. Well, th- it, there's been this... I, I, I'm c- kind of saying that half, more than half, jokingly, but there's been this, this transference of team management between two and four wheels. Um, there's nothing to say that it couldn't go between on-road and off-road, as well, is that? Well, no, no, no. Let's be honest about it. Some of the most successful uh, managers ever, back to John Tottenham together, but he come from the rally world and into uh, into circuit racing. So that's well, he was a, a co driver uh, to start with, and so yeah, was David Dave, Richards. That's Dave Richards. So you yeah. know, you, it's, it's it's that's not as as the thing is, <laughs> the whole world of Formula One is so complicated now. Um, you, you'd have to have a a real focus on what a man with extensive rally knowledge would bring. And where his expertise would fit in, I'm not, and this is not me saying it wouldn't fit in. It's where does it come from? Is it? Is it? Is it? Has he displayed fantastic organisational ability? And if he is, is he organising a team of 400 people? Probably not. This is why I, you know. I, I this is where I find where he would go, where it would fit, because there's, there's, there's not that much synergy um, between the two. Obviously, there's always mm. who you know and what you've done before and, and that sort of stuff. But it D- doesn't DTM. Seem... Uh, p- potentially Porsche have just uh, announced a, a, an effort into DTM, which is still GT3, of course, uh, mm. at, at the moment. Uh, we should have had Ben. There are a lot on. of Italian cars in uh, DTM next year. Well, that's that's a very good point. Actually. And he uh, we- was um, he has a DTM experience, a lot of it. I-, I think this was a surprise, even for people within the rally world. Um, certainly, Ben. Um, Constantinus, who excellently sums up WRC for us, um, hadn't been aware of it before it was announced. Um, Hyundai put out 
a very simple statement and they tweeted out uh, the picture of the statement. Um, it's been interesting. Uh, some rally journalists that I know weren't expecting this. So it's interesting. Um, what we don't know, Tim said it was for personal reasons. What we don't know is whether those personal reasons in, are involved in something to do with his family. And let's hope that there's nothing serious there, if that is the case, or whether it was something to do with the fact that he'd been given another job offer and he'd been asked to be released. We just don't, we simply don't know that. But Andrea's been around for a very long time. We've interviewed him here on the RSL Network when he was looking after the Hyundai... Um, Pro program at the 24 Hours of the Nurburgring. He was in the studio with us in the Aston Martin Lounge. He's a smashing bloke. Um, Haven knows him very, really well. Um, so, does, so does Ben. Everybody seems to get along with him, including his drivers who have been tweeting very, um, very pleasant things about him uh, throughout the day today. I'm, I'm watching this one with great interest to see where, if he turns up anywhere and where that is where that is next. The strong rumour, as I say, is that it's going to be Formula One, but if Nick doesn't know about it, then it's likely not to happen. <laughs> no, I think it's a different uh, journalist that said that, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, that's, staying that's with the right. uh, World Rally, um, yeah. and in fact staying with Hyundai, uh, unlike mm-hmm. Andrea, uh, Thierry Nerville and his <laughs> co-driver Martin Weidegger uh, were involved in a crash uh, at the end of last oh. week. This this was big. They're testing the new um, the new Rally One Hybrid Challenger. Yes, yes. The I20, Everybody's got them out at the moment, and they had a very big off road roll. Um, the good news is that everything did what it was meant to do. Uh, the crew got out. The battery, and you know this, Nick, from your RC racing um, exploits. The battery mm. uh, remained intact and and didn't have any problem this is always the, th- the worry isn't it about um about uh, about dry batteries in a in a competition car particularly in a rally car where you know you're doing all right the, the speeds aren't the same as as formula one cars or or prototypes but you have trees at the side of the road and things stop rather rather quickly um, and, and apparently the integrity of the battery cell was unaffected. So, you know, that's all good news, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. But yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's always, the integrity is always the key point in batteries. It's the, the worry about them. Well, split fuel tank's a bad idea as well, isn't it? So the split battery pack's also a bad idea. Mm. Indeed so. Indeed uh, so. He had surgery to his shoulder, co-driver. Um, but we'll be back in time for Monte Carlo Rally. Matthew Hindman says, Andrea Adamo comes across as one of the better team managers in any form of world motorsport. Seems to be really on top of it. He'll be a big loss to WRC, but be a big gain to wherever he goes next. Uh, yeah, I should have mentioned, by the way, as well for Michelle Mouton, she won her class at Le Mans in 1975 in an all-female team. Not that that makes any difference, because neither the stopwatch, the track, or the car knows uh, that. So, yeah, that, uh, uh, th- that was... Uh, Something that came out in that movie. Um, let's stay with rallying, uh, and Ooh. shall we do? Shall we do another envelope? Uh, no, I've got some. Um, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Johan Christofferson. Ah, now four times World Rally Cross champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, tied on okay. points with Timmy Hansen uh, at the weekend, but uh, 
on number of wins, uh, he had one more. So uh, very, very close in the World Rallycross Championship. Didn't have to take his, take his competitor out to win that, though, did he? They he didn't, actually both no. made the chequered flag. No. Hmm. Um, that, that's, I'm just the, saying the that, Han- you know, just Hanson, pointing that out. The Hanson brothers uh, running uh, in formation as well. Uh, before we leave World Rallycross, though, uh, we need to talk about the Delta variants, don't we? Oh, now, this is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. World Rallycross goes all electric next year. Now, you can say what you want about that, but I think this is really... I think it's a perfect part of motorsport to go electric because the races are so short. And there is... And I don't know if you've seen this, Nick. I know that you have a... uh, you're not that interested in rallying. I'll put it that way. I don't um, mind rallycross. Rallycross is... Is they're racing of, again. Yeah, the, the, yes. You you don't get that just racing against the clock thing, do you? How about an, a, how about an electric Lancia Delta in the World Rallycross next year? That's what the proposal is. Could, could that, would, would that make you switch on? Well, yes, absolutely. A bit of electric, a bit of electric Lancia. I can't, I can't, can't have too many Lancias. Everyone knows that. Specifically, it's uh, called it's called the Lancia Delta Evo E, and it is the shell of a 1989 Lancia Delta Integrale uh, with an uh, electric motor and uh, transmission inside it. Look, that is possibly one of the most perfect shapes of four door hot hatch type vehicles for me I, I was going i remember going to buy an eight valve version of that down at north allerton many years ago and for, for various reasons I, I didn't get to buy it but um oh. was it because it rusted away before you got it <laughs> no not at all that, I, this comes from a, from a lance you had a, you had a beat of monte carlo own. didn't you i did yeah. I, I could open the garage you could hear it rotting Oh, I, I, I am so disappointed I didn't get to buy that car. Did you hear who really they've so appointed as test driver for this uh, Lancia Delta oh, Integrale? No, come on, tell me, tell me. Is Didi- it Darren Lightning? Didier Oriol. Oh, that, that is quality. That is absolutely... Didier Oriol is one of the most bonkers drivers ever. And the whole concept of bonkers, but it might just work. And who knows what will follow on uh, from... Well, uh, and, and, the company's and it called comes Greisel, actually, isn't it? Who yes, are it specialists is. in turning old cars into new electric cars. I wonder whether they might be tempted to do an Opel Manta if they haven't already. Oh, or a Lancia or 37, obviously, as well, if we're going to talk Lancia. Um, on, on the same note, um, Malcolm Wilson yesterday... I think, uh, put out a video, no, it might have been today, actually, of a um, L-Reg. What was that, Nick? L-plate, starting with an L? 72. 70... Um? 72. No, 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 no. L at the front, not Sorry, L. Sorry, with L, 93. 93, yeah. Um, Fiat Panda. How sad are we? Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew you, I could rely on you for that. Um, they took a... Oh, is this one with a Fiesta engine in it, isn't it? This is an R5 rally car built on a 1993 Fiat Panda. And it's 300 horsepower, uh, sequential gearbox. It is absolutely legit, and you could race it. They've done it for a customer. Uh, Go and look up Pandemonium from M Sport. Um, I I, I immediately just wanted it. It looks like the, the love child 
of a Fiat Panda and a Metro 6R4. Um, it is it just it's just phenomenal. It is it is ridiculously brilliant, uh, and it's it's part of it's something that that um, Malcolm Wilson and M Sport have done as a um, a commission effectively for a customer. And if that's the sort of thing they're going to be doing, and if that's allowed to be R5, bring the rest of them on. That's going to be, I, I, immediately I want to go R5 rallying. If we can do that, I want to. I want a Lotus Sunbeam replica, um, or a Hillman Imp, or a, an Avenger. Notice the all Roots Group cars there. Um, that's absolutely what we need to go to. I need to go and talk to our guest from a few weeks ago, and and talk talk about building an R5 rally car on a Hillman Imp. Oh, hang on! Uh, time to open another envelope in the show of the year. And um, uh, very aptly, this is uh, Rally Driver of the Year. Rally Driver of the Year, all right. And, and the nominations for Rally Driver of the Year 2021 are... Sebastian Ogier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Elvin Evans. Yeah. And Andreas Mickelson. Yes, because Nick recused himself because he doesn't like rallying. And I have no problem... Uh, with that, I mean, you could have uh, picked a rally cross driver. Well, well, you didn't say that though, did you? We like to take you more literally than that. Um, open the envelope. You could also pick someone from Extreme E. Oh no, bloody way that happened. That's tonight on Dig That Hole. Uh, Jonathan Min says, Can somebody please retro mod a World Rally Cross Celica GT to go alongside the Lancia? <laughs> yes! Yes, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Laughing a pony says, I don't don't at all mind Lancia, Shell, Silhouette, Rallycross car, or any old cars for that matter. But why did we have to wait for electrification for that to happen? Yes, also, brilliant point. Uh, In third place, then, in the rally car of the year, rally driver of the year, excuse me, is Andreas Mickelson. Right, okay. And our winner of Rally Drive of the Year 2021. With fifth, just over 58% of the vote. It's Sebastian Ogier. Get him back in the net. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Are we going to do another one or shall we move on? Let's move on. I think we've got some sports car news that we. Oh, uh, we've got a really lot of sports to, car news. To do. So right. we'll get rid of that music. We'll say hello again. Lovely. To- <laughs> Shay Adam. Shay Adam. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Shay. And Shay will say Acura. Go. Uh, Acura officially uh, announcing which manufacturer they are going to team with for the DPI, <coughs> Orica, and uh, which teams they're going to stay partnered with, Wayne Taylor Racing and Meyer Shank Racing. So this was an announcement that wasn't really that much of a surprise to anybody involved with sports cars. Uh, it- it has, though, stopped the speculation, and it yes. means that Wayne Taylor Racing and MSR can, can plan forward. Also, interestingly, no, and pointedly, share no news on any other customer cars outside of IMSA, or even inside of IMSA. 
Yes, correct. And we do know that both of the teams that Acura has partnered with are looking towards the big race in France. They've made no secret about wanting to go and race Le Mans, but there have been no other announcements as to any other potential cars, teams, drivers getting that opportunity at this point in time. Let's stay with the big classes. Uh, there's been testing this week at Daytona. Um, did Jose Maria Lopez get into the Action Express or is that rumour still a, ru- a rumour? I have not seen anything on Instagram or Twitter saying that he is there and in the vehicle. I saw something with uh, Pipo Durrani, who is one of the Action Express drivers for next year. He's been retained. He's teamed up with Tristan Nunez. They've been doing simulator work in Detroit. They both are at the test they were running last night. Jimmy Johnson is also there with the Ally Cadillac. Uh, That Mm. car looks like it's going to be doing the endurance races once again. As for the other drivers involved, haven't seen that many uh, hints as to who could be the other drivers in those cars. We're hearing that it could be Hello Palo uh, for (laughs) Chip Ganassi racing for the 24 hours. And, And that would suggest that he might want to get in whilst there's an opportunity this week. He is there. I saw a picture of him in a fire suit standing next to Ranger Van de Zanda. So me thinks uh, that Alex Pelou is indeed driving a Daytona prototype uh, in the form of the Cadillac this weekend. Another interesting thing of note, uh, Ranger and Seb Bourdais were sharing one car. Alex Lynn and Earl Bamber were sharing the other. But uh... in Ranger's car, as has been for the last couple of years, Scott Dixon was name on the door above Ranger as well. When we talked to the guys in that team, they were saying that it hadn't really been finalised yet. Let's talk GT. Um, Single GTD Pro entry for Lexus. They're staying with Vassar Sullivan and Ben Barnicourt gets a call up for the longer races. Yeah, how awesome is this? I am so excited to get Ben uh, into IMSA full-time. He ran, his debut was the Motul Petit Le Mans where he was with McLaren for a team that he normally runs with over in Europe, that being Inception. But Ben leaving McLaren, that was announced uh, last week, I believe. And then this formalization of him joining GTD Pro alongside Jack Hawksworth. Kyle Kirkwood is their endurance driver. They will have a GTD non-pro effort, if you will. Um, Aaron Tielitz and Frankie Montecalvo have been driving that car at the test. Thank you, Instagram, for my social stalking to discover that one. Uh, But don't know who the third driver will be in that car. And that announcement hasn't formally been made. That's just something I'm picking up on through people posting stuff. Maybe when they shouldn't be, but that's okay. Well, that's that's fine. That's how we find out a lot of stuff. More yeah, than that's that how in it moment, works. Actually, uh, people trawling through things. Um, Magnus, um, they've 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 had relationships with quite a number of manufacturers. It's going to be a new one for twenty twenty two. Yeah, it has been quite a few. They tend to go the way of whatever car wins the championship the year before. Uh, They jumped on the Lamborghini bandwagon in 2019. They moved to Acura for this year after Acura had a very successful 2020. And after being with Audi and Porsche previously as well, they've now stepped into an Aston Martin. I think this is a very good move for the team. Uh, This is a very friendly, driver-friendly car, as you can attest to, John, having driven the GT4 version of it. Um, But this car is very good for gentleman drivers. This will be much more comfortable and much more spacious, much less physical than the Acura for John Potter, who will be joined by Spencer Pompelli and Andy Lally for the endurance races. This is an endurance-only effort. Important to note, only the long races. Yeah, that that's 
that we've seen other teams do that in the past, including Gradient last year. Gradient, by the way, are hiring at the moment uh, on a number of uh, areas. So if you're interested in working in IMSA for a, a, a very well-organised team, Andres is a, 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 a well-sorted individual. Go on to their uh, website. Um, whilst we're... A, oh, oh, by the way, we should say as well, Magnus have brought that program back in house. They're running. They're going to run them that themselves again, Jim. Yes, correct. For the four races that they're going to do, it's getting the team back together again. Uh, almost all the original band members are still there, so right. we'll see what they can do. Uh, TR three in GTD. Whilst we're talking the, the GT Daytona category. This is a team that I'm very familiar with, having run Ferrari Challenge for many years. They've been dabbling in SRO in uh, North America, but they've decided to come and make a run at the Rolex. They're going to have some pretty good drivers in the car, too. Got to give them credit. Jeff Segal, Bill Sweedler, a Rolex winner back in 2014 and the champion back in 15. I want to, yeah, in GTD, uh, will be joined by Lamborghini factory driver Giacomo Altoe, who's been very impressive in the SRO this year, and John McGrew, a graduate of Ferrari Challenge. So it's going to be a two-gentleman driver uh, lineup for that car, but good to see another Lamborghini, as of right now, the only Lamborghini on the grid for the Rolex. Yeah, good point. Um, elsewhere in GT, Jan Halen has got the full season call for Wright Motorsport. Yeah, Wright Motorsport, there was a lot of talk about how this team was going to look for the 2022 season with uh, Jan Halen and Trent Hinman both being upgraded to gold-rated drivers for the coming season. Patrick Long retired at uh, Petit Le Mans for full-time race car driving. Full-time, important to know, because I doubt he's done driving race cars. Um, but this means that Jan Halen is going to be the gold-rated driver. Ryan Hardwick is going to come back and try GTD again. The initial plan for him going into this season was to do both GTD and run in the GT4 machine in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Well, after a big crash sidelined him at Daytona, he elected to focus solely on the GS car. That program turned out pretty well. That resulted in Jan Halen becoming a champion. So that worked out well. They're going to be joined by Zachary Robichon, the reigning GTD champion for the endurance races. And John, the GTD curse continues yet again, where we have a champion who is left without a full season ride. It's happened for the last five years, I believe. Wow. Really? Crazy. That's it. Yes. That's, that, that's extraordinary. Um, before we got WEC in the Visit Cayman Island Sports Car News Roundup, let's talk Creventic. Um and, and this has um this has implications to IMSA as well because there's a few names here you'll re- recognise. Uh, at Sebring we crowned uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago at the 2021 GT4 champions that was ST Samantha Tan Racing we knew and we reported they had bought two GT3 BMWs uh, and now we've got drivers for that at least for the for the uh, Dubai 24 in January yeah, this is exciting. I mean, if you haven't seen the pictures of these cars yet, go look them up. Uh, they're all over social media. One of them looks phenomenal with the paint job going beyond the black carbon. But for Dubai, mm. two cars, a pro-am car that's going to have Samantha in it, so Samantha Tan, Harry Gottsacker, Anthony Lazaro, mm. Tyler Maxson, 
and Bryson Morris, the only one of those names I'm not familiar with being the last one. The second car is going to be a pro effort. That's going to have John Lee Miller, Chandler Hull, Nick Whitmer, and Louis Philippe Montour. That is a very stout lineup going into this first race of the season. Yeah, Harry Gottsacker, of course, we know from his TCR uh, exploits in Michelin Pilot Challenge. Anceli Lazaro, been around forever. Tyler Maxson, yeah. um, see you both. Again, TCR. Um, Another TCR quick driver. So a, a step up to GT3 for those guys. That's really interesting. I'll be watching those with, with interest in uh, in Dubai in, what, six weeks' time? Not even, not even that. Uh, let's uh, jump to some Toyota news um, in sports cars. WEC, um, let, let's talk about what's going on in Toyota because we've got some new drivers or a new driver there and new rules for two drivers that we are used to talking about. Uh, Ryo Harikawa is a driver who's been sort of on the fringes for a couple of years. He has finally been given the promotion up to a full season driver after well Kaz Nakajima. Well thought of by Toyota. Well thought yes. of by Toyota. He's, yeah. he's very well regarded, not only by his uh, future co-drivers, but also the people up uh, further up in the um, uh, the business model as far as Toyota goes. But they've also, what what what's the word I'm looking for, John? Reassigned, given new titles? to yeah. their Japanese drivers. Um, it's management roles is, is the word I was looking for. So for Kamoi Kobayashi, he is the team principal of Toyota Guzu Racing ahead of this upcoming season. In addition to being a driver, Nakajima has been so given So he's like a, role... a player manager then. That, that's, yeah. that's a tough, that is a tough gig, isn't it? It really is. He and um, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback now have a very similar role to one another. Um, <laughs> very good. He, the other is uh, Kaz Nakajima, who's been given the role of vice chairman at Toyota Gazoo Racing Europe. So, again, overseeing right. the WEC program, if you will. So, effectively, Rio Hirokawa is taking the drive from Nakajima, but Nakajima's going to go to Cologne and look after that side. Okay. That, that's very, very interesting for that. Uh, team Racing Team Netherlands, news from those guys this week. They will be doing IMSA. They are looking to do the endurance races in LMP2, and they've actually announced their driver lineup for the Rolex 24 of Daytona. Uh, Fritz Venyard, Guido Vendegarda, no surprises there with either of those two drivers. Dylan Murray, they've stolen mm. Dylan away from the LMP3 drive that he had this year, which leads me to think that Riley is going to look quite different next year. And then for the long race, Renus VK. That's going to be a very fun car. Ooh, that, that, again, another stout lineup. And before we leave this, let's go back to WEC and GTM. Hopefully, an entry for Car Guy Racing, but they're not sure. They have asked, please, sir, can I have an entry to uh, the 2022 <laughs> WEC full season? Um, this definitely comes, I, I would say this is deserved. Given their performance that we've seen at Le Mans for the last handful of years, they've done very well at running under Kessel Racing. Now they're trying to do it sort of on their own. And uh, Takeshi Kimura, who's the driver and also the team manager, he's the one who's pushing for this to happen. I think it'd be fascinating to get this team, which is so thoroughly Asian Le Mans series, into the WEC, see how they adapt. 
couple of things about drivers that we love talking about. Vincent Abril, what's he going to be doing? He has parted ways with Mercedes. This just mm. dropped into my inbox a few minutes ago, and it comes as quite the shock. Vincent left Bentley a few years ago, uh, 2019, I seem to remember. That was a bit heartbreaking. He was so embedded with that team. But then we saw him at Le Mans running a Porsche. We've seen him running Ferraris. He's been with Mercedes for the last couple of years, but he's looking elsewhere at this point. So I'm wondering which manufacturer is going to scoop him up. And Fabio Scherer. He's coming to IMSA, a debut for Fabio with uh, high-class racing, at least for the long-distance races. So he's going to be in for the Endurance Cup as well with high-class. I think we've had full-season drivers announced from them, if I just minimize the proper things on my screen. Um, I feel like we did get that announcement out, though. That was LMP2. I think we talked about that last week, didn't we? Yeah, Yeah, Anders, Anders Fjordback and Dennis Anderson. Yeah, it does seem that there's a lot of people, particularly LMP2 cars, who are committing themselves to at least Daytona and possibly a bit more in IMSA, which is great news for for John Doon and, and everybody at IMSA. It really is. I mean, right now I've got high class in for the season with Scherer in for the endurance. I've got United Autosport in for the full season. G Drive is coming just for Daytona at this point, and then Racing Team Netherland in for the long distance races once again. But this means that we've already got four LMP2 cars committed to Daytona. We are a month and a half away from even getting a hint of an entry list. So, as far as my unofficial uh, list is going, it's a pretty good grid so far. I'm I'm quite optimistic. And um, before we uh, leave the Visit Cayman Island Sports Car News Roundup, a couple of things. Um, you can register for your tickets for Le Mans 2022 from Friday, which I think is the 10th. Yes, it is. Um, if you are a ACO member, you can even start. Uh, reserving and getting your tickets Uh, but all of the details are on the ACO's ticketing site that's really exciting they're going back to the June date that's the plan at the moment it's in pencil as everything is and news from our Monterey correspondent earlier this week who was trawling through some council meetings some uh, county council meetings in Monterey that WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca is one of two venues that has been considered for the next Porsche Rennsport reunion. Now, go back and have a look or a listen to our um, Haggerty Inside Track uh, from last week and Pat Long, who has taken on a, an ambassadorial role for Porsche Motorsport as well as Porsche uh, Cars North America, um, was saying news soon. Well, it's kind of broken, perhaps without them realising it, um, that the, the date for the next Rennsport is going to be September 2023. Um, and Ooh. WeatherTech Raceway is in the running. Uh, there's a, a, in part of that report, it's lengthy, uh, but it is worth reading, particularly the, um, the draft proposals for their business plan going forward, which includes replacing the current bridge across nearly the start-finish line on the front straight, which apparently is uh, is something that's been asked for by a number of people, including Porsche. Um, But they are in the running. There's a second place in the running. We don't know where that is yet. So that's not our announcement to make, but I'm sure Porsche cars 
uh, and Porsche Motorsport North America um, will be on that and we'll find out and we'll give you more news about Rensport Reunion. Uh, September 2023, a brilliant event if you can get to it. Anything else from you, Cher, in our Visit Cayman Island Sports Car News Roundup? Mm, nothing I can think of at this point. No, just Jack, right. you did mention Ben Barnacote. Yes, yes, we did. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, did you do any of the Asian Le Mans series news? No, we didn't actually. That's a very good point, and it's and and it, it's worth talking about, Tim, isn't it? Because it's going to be a record entry. Yes, and we've uh, got confirmed drivers from Graf Racing, which is uh, a G Drive run uh, team with an Orica zero seven in the NMP two class. Um, with David Drew, Sebastian Page and Eric Trouillet, mm. who were in the NMP3 class in the European Le Mans series last year. Um, so, uh, are, are we talking... Th- uh, did I say 39? You uh, did see 39, yes. Uh, that's, 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 that's very stout. That is very impressive. We've also got it's the... It's going to be two races at Dubai, two races at Abu Dhabi, of yes. course, in early Feb. Uh, Salasin by... Uh, Cox Racing, which is Algar Pro Racing, is it? Uh, no, it's Cox Racing. All right. Okay. Um, uh, that's Peter Cox. Ah, ah, yes, and he's talked about driving with his daughter, isn't he? Stephanie, Stephanie. will be alongside yeah. him, and also Nico Pronk. Ah, okay, that's a blast from the past. We haven't heard of for a little while. Um, who is um, someone who? Uh, very much a gentleman driver, but who has uh, had uh, Peter Cox coaching him for yeah. most of his career. Uh, I did see a third Asian KTM story. driver, I think. Nick, oh, uh, Nick Optimum. Driving Optimum, Optimum, yes. going to run two McLarens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nick Moss and Joe Osborne and Brendan Ereeb and Ollie Milroy are wow. the two pairs hmm. for that. Again. And congratulations to Ollie and Fern, by the way. Oh, yes. Um, had their second child? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, I, I know Ollie had to make some difficult decisions about his driving with that. I'm sure he's absolutely clear now that he made the right one to stay and be around for the, the birth of the, the second Milroy child. Uh, that's your... Uh, and finally, did we talk I'm, about... Oh, um, Kamu Kobayashi and yes, uh, yes, we yes, did. yes, okay. yes. You you were off sharpening the, your letter opener, yes. which you're going to need right now because after the visit Cayman Island Sports Car News, we have more nominations to make winners. <laughs> Uh, what would you like to do next, Tim? Uh, the next two awards will be Rider of the Year and Young Driver of the Year. All right. Ooh. And the nominations for Rider of the Year are... Fabio Quattararo. Champion in uh, MotoGP. Uh, Pedro Costa. Champion in his rookie season of Morton 3 and very, very young. Dylan Fernandez. Fernandez. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell us what he achieved, John? That was Johnny's. No, that was um, Shane's. That was choice. mine. Oh, that was um, EMA, wasn't it? Yes. 
Was he winning two classes in AMA? Is that right? No, he he won the championship the year before in the lower class, the 200cc, and then 450 this year. Lovely. And uh, Tony Bow. Tony Bow, that must be Johnny. Yes. So that must be something trials related. Yes. Okay. I think he's like 23 time world trials champion. Um, by the way, oh, so a, a bit like um, Dougie Lampkin was. Yes. Right, okay. By the way, breaking news just coming in, and thanks to Matthew Hyman for this. In, if you're in the UK, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix will be shown live on Channel 4 this weekend. That news just coming in a couple of moments ago. We heard that that was being discussed. It has now been confirmed. Uh, and, come on, use your sharp implement to open the envelope. That's not as dramatic as... sound, wasn't it? No, it's not as dramatic again. <laughs> yes, whatever you were using before. A set of keys or your teeth or whatever it was. Uh, in fourth place for the rider. Here's Tony Bow. <laughs> right. In third place, Dylan Ferrandis. Right. So it's between MotoGP... It's between Moto3... And MotoGP. And the winner of Ride of the Year for 2021 with 70.97% of the vote. Ooh. Wow, that's big. It's Fabio Quattararo. Nick's on the board. Well earned. You can go hooray now, Nick. Hooray! Yeah, for two strike as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Ding, 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 um, I tell you what. Whilst we're on this, get out the next envelope as well because we've run out of time, Tim. I've got uh, the next envelope out. This is for Young Driver of the Year. Go for it. Right. Ooh, yeah. I feel good and about the nominations this one. for Young Driver or Rider of the Year are Theo Pusher. Uh in Formula Two. Uh, get well soon, by the way. Yes. Uh, slept for 15 hours, apparently, after that accident. Uh, Franco Colapinto. He, he slept a little too long on the clutch. That's why he couldn't get away at the start, one might say. Uh, Franco Colapinto, uh, Asian Le Mans series and sports car driver, cracking your Franco's heart. Pedro Costa. Uh, Moto3 champion in his, uh, in his debut, his rookie year, including winning from the pit lane. And Max Esterson. Max Esterson, Esterson uh, Team USA driver, has raced in the British Formula 4 Championship and w- podium finish in the Formula 4 Festival and won the prestigious Walter Hayes Trophy. Make a noise. Yay! No, I meant him. <laughs> That's much better. Do with my fingers, fingers yeah. Yeah, much better. Much better. Uh, <laughs> the winner of Young Driver of Riding Year. Fourth, oh, fourth, fourth place is Max Esterson. Right. Aww. Third place, Franco Colapinto. <laughs> yeah. And the winner of Young Driver of Riding of the Year is Teo Pocher. Oh, whose was that? Oh, oh. Was that you? You've come yeah. back into it, mate. Into second it's place now. Join yeah, second place. nightmare weekend last weekend. I hope everyone must have voted before last weekend. Let, let's stay with single seater racing and look forward to the weekend yes. in Abu Dhabi. You will be in country or at least in yes. region. So just a quick thing. If anybody wants to uh, wants to have an expert who whisper in their ears with the entire race and has a spare ticket they want to give me, just PM me on, uh, on RC, RC Racing. I'm in the Emirates, but I haven't got a ticket. and I'm too tight to buy one. 
<laughs> I'm not sure if you can buy one of them. I, I bet you probably could. The, are there any? Like eighteen dollars, Nick. I don't. I, I, do we? Do we have any um, support races? Yes, we do. Yeah, we Formula have the UAE back. Formula Four Masters and Formula Two. Well, Formula UAE two. Formula Four, we're covering in Dubai. Yes. So, Nick, Nick, uh, there's yeah, your invite. You need obviously to be. <laughs> In that paddock, checking it all out, mate. You need to yeah, speak to Evo. It's not going to work. Uh, I've decided to go to the more, more basic begging concept. Well, I think you just need to speak to Evo and get them to put you in touch. I'm sure they'll get you a, um, a pass of some description. You don't mm. want a ticket, mate. You want a pass, don't you, surely? With hostility I'm, I'm, involved? I'm you quite like a bit of it. A bit of nighttime Abu Dhabi, quite nice. Uh, change of the circuit, which we're led to believe yes. from the... From the simulations, is eleven seconds quicker? Did I hear oh, that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, the, the the sort of bus stop chicane going into the hairpin before the main straight has been removed entirely. They've actually, they had to move back a bit, get a bit of extra runoff. Um, so that and the, do you remember the second DRS there? You go to the main straight, not not quite get past, or perhaps get past, then go through the left right, and there's a second DRS down to another um, sort of heavy heavy stop, and that's gone as well. That's now a sweeping corner. So they've, they've absolutely speeded up two or three sections. Also, the, the, the tight bits under the hotel have been, they've opened them up slightly. they 90s. They're wider 90s. Ah. That makes sense. So you, if you think about it. If you well, make, the exit if, from if, the hotel, if, you can't do anything with because no, there's, on the right-hand side, there's, yeah. there's a splosh. There's a couple of bits where there's a runoff, and what they've done is they've effectively widened the track, which calls narrow. It makes the corner shallower because of ah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they've, yeah, they've added a lot of speed to it. Theoretically, it should now make it possible to overtake because, of course, it was effectively impossible. Um, the idea is that you'll be able to get much, much closer going into the hairpin before the big long straight. And there's a big long straight with DRS, so yeah. that's the, the, the hope is that people will be able to get past. Um, which obviously is, is just nine years too late for. Um, for Fernando Alonso. Uh, actually, it's 11 years late for his 2010 championship. I knew, I knew you were going to bring that up. Well, that was that was what brought DRS in, though, wasn't it? That race. Yeah, well, one of the things one of the things that helped. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and you know, we we are up in the air to see whether it's going to be you know very very easy to get past next year or not. But who knows? But and, and the yeah, last I mean, races for is, these cars, Nick. Yeah, yeah, these cars. That's the problem. But but I think the interesting thing is. Is we are absolutely tied on points. So of course, um, if they both don't finish, Max has the advantage of the extra win. So he, which is irritating, because that extra win is where John. Sorry, say again. Oh. If they if they both don't finish, oh. Max would win on count back of wins. But yeah. where was his extra win Spa. achieved? Thank Spa. you very much, Shay. And the that wasn't a race. It happened. No. Yeah. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, no, that can't be allowed to happen, surely. But there is a, there is a, but yeah, but I think if you, it, it's like when we have the concept of the red flags, you know, it, 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 the, the luck evens out over a year. Yeah, Max gained in um, Saudi Arabia, but Lewis gained in, definitely gained in, in Imola. Uh, Silverson. And, well, Imola, it's, yeah, I think, you get, I think he did gain in as well, but that was more. Did a, he lose uh, out in Monza when he came in at the pits when it was closed? That was the year before. Oh, was it really good? It all just blends yeah, in one for me. But yeah, I mean, the the, the, uh, the mistakes and everything evens up. Um, obviously, the momentum is with Mercedes. However, it is still advantage the person who's in the lead. Yeah. It always is. And, I, I, and I'm just going to throw this out there because this is remarkable. 
neither of them have broken down for a mechanical reason this season. Uh, one thing I would say, and this, listen, you know, I've said that I said I, I made a point of saying this in the first half of the show that you are not a Hamilton, particularly a Hamilton fan. You're not. Neither are you of a Statman fan or indeed a, a detractor of, of, of either of those. I am absolutely not a Hamilton fan. Um, there's, there's parts of, of Lewis, particularly his seeming refusal to to acknowledge how much Ron Dennis uh, played in his his career uh, that I, I found I find certain things about Lewis just incomprehensible. Um He's rewritten the myth of, 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 of his his origin story has been rewritten yeah, in, and uh, in glorious Marvel style. He left Let out go. Martin Hines as well, who was actually the person who introduced. No, I him have to... heard I have heard him talk about Martin actually. I think I think right, okay. sometimes if, if you if you get him on the subject of that part of his career, he will right. talk very eloquently about the right. cast of people helped in fairness. No, I have heard that. The, right, the... But I agree. I agree with you about the other the other glossing though. The, 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 however, what it comes down to this weekend is that we've got Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Max isn't the kid, and I, I won't hear this about, he's, he's got a hundred and plenty Grand Prix under his wheels now. What it does show, though, is that, frankly, everybody else is pretty average, aren't they? Other than those two. Yeah, well, the problem is that, that what has happened, and does tend to happen in, in series, seasons like this, we've had it before, where, where, where dominant is established and there's a rule change. The other teams have given up significantly more than they would normally do. That's a good point. They've just left uh, outside of Ferrari, actually, who continued working hard on their power plants. But everyone else has kind of given up earlier, especially with, with the cost cap. So it exacerbates those gaps because the other two are still really going for it. Um, and the only thing we can, we, the thing we can simply say is this battle has brought out the best and the worst in them. The best of them, as far as speed is concerned, the worst in the time of the, 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 the point of eternity, the bitching and the, and the bashing. Uh, the other thing we know is they are so much faster than two very good racing drivers in Valtteri Bottas and Sergio Perez. So, given so somebody, the fact that... somebody tweeted in earlier on, would anybody else have done better than Bottas in that car this year? Yeah, of course he would. But, but, but would anyone else have challenged Lewis in that car? No, because Lewis knows that car at the back of his hand as well. Um, it's the Mark Marquez thing. Remember, both of them. I, Let, let's be let's be say, let's be totally honest, Nick. Both of those drivers, both Max and Lewis, the car is built around them. They are un, mm, unmistakable mm, number ones. Yeah, they are unmistakable. What, what I would say, and and I think that if we get to if we if we go, everybody we argue about who's the fastest car. Blah, 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 blah. The undeniable fact is, at the start of the season, Mercedes were lost. Hmm. And we're not the fastest car. And I believe that having Valtteri in that car at that point, who knew the car inside out and could therefore ah. give them reference points for testing. Does this work? Don't know. Does that work? Don't know. As they divert the car through the season. That car, people need to cast mind back to how awful that car was at the test. Hmm. Now, because they managed to leap forward and, and luck into a win because Red Bull underperformed in Bahrain, people kind of forgot that. But the car was not good and i think having valtteri who could help to help develop and, and, and yeah and yeah you know, you've got what valtteri is good at doing um he's very good at hitting the ground running which is incredibly useful in this reduced amount of how many um, times has he been fastest in fp1 exactly and what he will also do is he'll he'll, he'll they'll bun on valtteri you know a particular setup and lewis will be on a different setup and, and and they and they can work together they can mm. they, they can have That's that comparison 
and then it, you know as we said before it's it's you know if there was a friday championship last year Valtteri would have been world champion because he was just so good on the friday um it comes down to the fact though nick that all max has got to do is um he's only got a senate to prost and he's the champion hasn't he at the first yeah, corner the thing about that is is we have the precedent of 1997 now Rem- remind uh, everybody when they kicked Schumacher completely out of the championship for trying to do that. Mm. Now, I, I don't know if they're quite so brave because they didn't do what they should have done in 2007. Um, just so people know, in 2007, everyone, uh, King Reichen won the World Championship and Lewis did not win the World Championship. Um, not to do the King Reichen, it was to do with some, some terrible management by, by McLaren and the gearbox for the day. But two teams had broken the rules with regarding to how they managed their fuel, including Williams. In any other race, they would have been disqualified. If they'd been disqualified, Lewis would have had enough points for the World Championship, and Max wasn't uh, having yes. that. wasn't having his result changed yeah. on the Monday. Yeah. So the, When you say that, Max, you don't mean Max Verstappen, of course. No, you I mean, mean Max, Max Morrison. Morrison. He was four. So, yes. so <laughs> yeah. In, well, in he, fairness, those, he was only those, slightly those, less petulant than Dutch he is now. Toddlers, they're a nightmare. Oh, they are. Um, <laughs> but you know, so this, this, my, my worry is that if if Max did do something aggressive to Lewis, they would just give him an in-race penalty. It wouldn't count for anything um, because they don't want to change the actual result of, of what's written on a Sunday. Um, but I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't see Max. I don't. I know Max is aggressive. I don't see Max as a dirty driver. I don't think he's dirty at all. This, is, this goes back to the whole point. He's not malicious no nothing he does is malicious it's done with his sense of entitlement it's done because he has this kind of uncompromising attitude but i don't ever think he's malicious in what he does is michael massey going to survive into next year he's been a nightmare this year let's be honest i i don't know and i think i think the answer to that is yes but the they they, they need to bring somebody they need to i think it's too much for one for, for, for one man the problem why does is he not that, why, why does he why does he keep not referring things to the stewards that's the thing uh, I don't I understand. It's not his well, decision. The only, thing he's not, well, he, the only thing he's not referred to most, obviously, is the Brazilians. The stuff where he was doing the horse trading was apparently, you know, it, it, you know it, he's basically saying, look, this is what's going to happen. Do you want to risk the stewards or do you want to do that? And they'll go, well, do that, we'll hand the place back, which is often what FIA do. I think, I think there's a problem in that now it's all out in the open, it's easier to criticise. I think there's a problem in that he is dealing with some very, very skilled um, manipulators on both sides, both yeah, Mercedes no, no, totally and, um, totally and Red agree. Bull. And I don't think he has the... Do you think there's a lack of respect, Nick? Absolutely, 100%. 100%. Very quickly, then, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Uh, Max has got the advantage. John? I think Valtteri wins the race. I think Lewis wins the championship. And Shay? I think... Lewis. That, 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 just... Final two envelopes. Final two. All right, so this must be the Listener's Award then. This is the Listener Award. This is the uh, drivers, riders, people who were nominated by our listeners. And the uh, nominees are... Four nominees are... Valentino Rossi. Uh, Legend. Greatest of all time, question mark. I don't think it's a question mark on that in MotoGP ridiculous career that he's had down through the years in MotoGP through all the categories, retires at the end of this year and comes to IMSA next year apparently. Kimi Raikkonen. 
<laughs> Splits opinion. Retires at the end of this year, comes to Imza. Yeah, possibly. Mm. Uh, Splits opinion here. I'm, I'm going to miss him from Formula 1. Nick, not so much. Uh, Roman not Grosjean. Uh, retired from Formula 1 as... Uh, Coming to wins, coming to wins the next year. Actually, <laughs> there's a good chance we'll see him in Daytona and Alex Palo as well, and IndyCar. And who? Alex Palo, uh, in IndyCar champion, which seems a million years ago now, Shea, but he had a phenomenal season. Yeah, and apparently coming to IMSA next year. <laughs> it all comes back to IMSA. The envelope is opened, and in fourth place, in fourth place is Kimi Raikkonen. Really? All right. Just leave him alone. Uh, third <laughs> place, Alex Palo. Right. The winner of the Midweek Motorsports Listener's Award for 2021 is Roman yeah. Grosjean. Is it? Was that Johnny? No, they're voted by no, the listeners. Listeners. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, of course. Listeners. So listeners obviously have won. Okay. Uh, so we have just got enough time to uh, remind you that next week we have a special programme. It's Tom Christensen at the Royal Automobile Club. That's a midweek motorsport special. Keep an eye on the uh, the bottom of the homepage at RadioLamont.com for our review programmes. Also and next now, Wednesday there'll be a special historic racing news programme on after oh. Tom Christensen at uh, the RAC uh, and of course tomorrow we've got Simcast at 8 and on the grid at 9 but we're going to end tonight yep. by opening the final envelope which is who you voted for as your for person, the person of, of the year. year driver of the year because they are all drivers right well person of the year they didn't have to be they did, but they are, them. so we're going to call them Driver of the Year. And the nominees for the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective Person of the Year for 2021 in the global motorsport world, what is it? Mike Conway. Uh, Toyota driver brought his Conway curse at Le Mans this year and will be in IMSA next year. <laughs> Lando Norris. Uh, Lando Norris, uh, uh, McLaren driver, possibly be in next year at some stage. May well do Daytona. <laughs> Shane Van Gisbergen. Yeah. Oh, he uh, loves brought his collarbone at the start of the year, uh, won seven races on the bounce, won the championship in the Repco V8 supercars and will probably be in IMSA at some stage next year. And uh, Lance Van Tour. Who? Lawrence Vanter. Lawrence Vanter. La- Larry, of course. Uh, j- uh, famed as a Porsche driver, but will drive anything and would love to be back in IMSA next year. In fourth place, it's Lawrence Vanter. Okay. I thought you said Lance there. That's why it was. No, Lawrence. Okay. In third place. Oh, this is very close, wasn't it? Third place got 23.11% wow. of the vote. And second place got 23.90% of the vote. Ooh. Okay, third? Third place. This pro- oh, no, we're not finishing yet. Uh, <laughs> you tell that machine. You tell it. Tim, boss that machine, mate. Artificial intelligence? No, is what we say. <laughs> we're not having auto drive here on this programme. Uh, th- third place, Tim. In third place is Shane Van Gisbergen. Oh, oh, oh. 
right? The winner of our driver, person, man of the year the, for 2021. The big, yeah. the big one. He's the little one, Lando Norris. Really? Was that you, Nick? Wow. Go me. So, so not that this <laughs> matters because it's not a race, but Johnny Palmer won one category, yeah. Shea won two, and Nick and I won three each. The listener had one, obviously. Um, and so, Unfortunately, I've got, I've got a tiebreaker victory out of that. How's that? Because I chose the track of the year, which won, but I wasn't allowed to choose it. Yeah, I had more second places than you, though. So, I've got four actual... Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not a competition, it's a prize-giving I'm, t- I'm taking you off at the, at the first corner the next weekend. <laughs> I'll still have won this, all right? Yeah, don't count back here, good point. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and more importantly, Cher, who scored more qualifying points of all of us? Right, that's that's going to take some calculating. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about there, go to... Uh, the Gearbox Girls blog on Blogspot. Cher has done an extraordinarily detailed, of course, it's Cher, look back at the changes in the points scoring for IMSA WeatherTech Sports Guard Championship this year and how that affected who took home the big trophies. It's well worth a read. Listen, it's been a fantastic uh, year, everybody. Don't forget our special programmes, including Tom Christensen at the Royal Automobile Club next week. Tomorrow night, it's Simcast and On The Grid. And we've got historic racing news as well before Christmas. Uh, You guys on The Collective, I'm not sure how much you realise just what a a great bit of motivation you give to all of us here on the Radio Show Limited Network. All these shows that we do on a Wednesday night and all of the coverage that we do from the races, we can only do because you listen in. This year we're storming towards 18 million downloads, of which nearly 6 million, a third of that, are going to be Midweek Motorsport. We do this because we enjoy it you tell us that you enjoy it by listening and downloading and because you do that the stuff that we do particularly live from the tracks we can attract our partners so thank you to all of you this year for telling your friends for downloading for listening and particularly for tweeting in whether you are a regular or whether you've joined us this year thank you very much indeed to all of our contributors nick share dex Andy Cotton from Race Car Engineering, Johnny Palmer, and everybody, our executive producer, Tim Greer, who does a lot of hard work behind the scenes that you don't get to see and hear. And, of course, to our responsible adult, Eve Hewitt. It's been another cracking year. Join us next week for the special shows. And thank you. Have a great Christmas and New Year. And we'll be back, and this is amazing to say this, with Series 17, Episode 1, on Wednesday the 12th, of January. But don't forget those special shows between now and then. Best to you and yours. Have a great Christmas. A happy, a holy, a prosperous, and in these times particularly, a healthy 2022. Bye-bye from us all. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.